What's good, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the What's Good Games podcast. I'm your host, Andrea Renee, with episode 27 and the triumphant return <laughs> of Miss Alexa Ray. Hello, oh. I'm here. <laughs> I have missed you so much. <laughs> oh, good. You guys can make out later. No. Um, oh, that's I'm a, like, okay, let's <laughs> Brittany like, no. Brombacher. Let's do it now. Hello. The blonde nerd who has joined us here in San Francisco. We are awaiting the arrival of Miss Christine Steimer. Hi. Yeah, I'm still Hurry in up. Los Angeles for right now. Tomorrow, though. Tomorrow. Which will be yesterday once people actually listen to this show. Um, it's been um, too long since we've all been together in the same room, but we're looking forward to seeing everyone in the streams that are going to happen. Um, again, if you guys ever want to be part of our exclusive content that we have on Patreon, that's patreon.com slash what's good games. You can get in for just a buck. You can get access to our happy hour stream that happens every month, our happy hour Q&A, where all we do is have drinks and answer your questions. It's for a, a very hour. happy hour. Yes. yes. We should call it the very happy hour. Yeah, I like the very it. very happy hour? The very happy hour. Okay. We can change the name. <laughs> um, and then we also do a Patreon exclusive video. Um, and then if you kick in a few more bucks, you can get access to things like the secret segment or even the after hour stream, which is the uh, very a special after hour stream, stream where we play something silly and ask some more questions. But uh, it's a lot of cool stuff. So if you guys are interested, you know, please check that out over there. But um something else that I wanted to mention. Oh my gosh, I totally blanked on what I was going to promote next. That's was it the fact thing. that someone in this room got nominated for Trending Gamer? <laughs> oh, oh, come on. Um, it did... It, it did really kind of take me by surprise. I know we kind of joked around about it uh, before. And I mean, Greg and I have joked around about it on Kind of Funny Games Daily. But I am completely floored that it actually happened because, you know, as people who voted uh, in nominations for for the ballot, you know, like it's all peer voted. And there's over 50 outlets, both in the United States and around the world that voted on these nominees. And it's a huge honor for me. And I'm super excited to be in that group of people. And um, my personal friend, Stephen Spawn, is also nominated from Able Gamer as I'm on the advisory board um, for that charity. And so really glad to see that he got some recognition. Um, I actually haven't met the other um, nominees. I've just seen them on the internet. Mm. Um, but an interesting group of people. So correct me if I'm wrong, but are you the first Lady nominee. I am. Yeah. Yes. First time. Our queen. That glass ceiling. No, it's still, it's still there. Um, <laughs> Punch it, but, Andrea. You're, it. you're standing below it with one of those like those gadgets spies have when they cut the glass and cut oh, the hole yeah. in it. And you're that like, would be cool. getting ready. Well, yeah. well, we'll see. So if you guys are interested, and we, I hope Me. you would vote, um, you can go to thegameawards.com and you can cast your vote there and hopefully, you know, I can earn your vote. That would be great. Um, so thank you so much for bringing that up. Um, it was kind of weird for me to be like, hey, guys, <laughs> I've got me new. No, you're but that's so freaking fun. awesome. You're just I being put humble. That, I so put that awesome. later in the show notes, too. So we're going to talk about it more later. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> well, yes, because we definitely need to talk about um, the awards because there's a lot of different games that are up for a, a variety of awards uh, for the Game Awards. But um, You need an outfit. We need to, like, Hunger Games the shit out out of whatever you wear. <laughs> I'm going to go, I'm going to go full on fire. On fire. Okay. I'll, yeah, I got to figure out, I, we'll do some shopping. Okay. Yes. Um, 
Ladies and gentlemen, this is the show where we talk about video game news. We analyze the current events. We give you in-depth commentary on what's happening. So let's get to our first news story. <laughs> so first up on the list, and uh, thank you so much to Steimer for helping me put the notes together this week. We are taping a fun Let's Play video, which we will put up on the channel soon. The first story, talking Pikachu WTF. <laughs> that was Alexa's input. <laughs> literally says WTF, F, 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 F in There's the show like notes, you guys. There's like 10 Fs. <laughs> it's... Oh, it's strange. Um, the way so so the breakdown of this is so the Pokemon I Choose You movie just came out. Alexa's losing her shit over here. I hate it. <laughs> and so what the film is? It's essentially a reimagining of the movie that came out twenty ish years ago. And what's different about this one is like where the original film kind of took place, like around the anime time. You know, there's Brock, Missy, Ash has his Charizard already. Um, this one's kind of takes it it starts after ash gets his pikachu which is the beginning of the series and so it kind of retells like an alternate universe of ash and his pikachu going along in the world and doing their thing so this doesn't have to be this abomination doesn't have to be canon exactly no no this is not canon i refuse for this to be canon okay so uh um, <laughs> i refuse for it to be canon it doesn't mean it's not going to be canon <laughs> it just means in <laughs> so britney's mind it's film. not man oh, yeah i saw no. the film last night and i would recommend it if you're a pokemon fan like absolutely go see it they take some interesting like iconic things from the anime like how ash gets charmander the whole butterfree <gasps> butterfree's in it yeah oh god and, that wrecked me those episodes were the it worst it was intense and they retell like <laughs> a lot of those butterfree? things it butterfree what's that's, butterfree what i don't know it will wreck you it, it is pretty emotional i just know about butterfries have you seen the video <laughs> what is that french fries with the, butter the two on girls the, two, no, oh, the yeah. two girls singing about french fries and i've they, seen that they, we are butterflies it no they no. do they say we're butterflies yes i've seen that like that's French funny. fries. Huh. I'm not intentionally mispronouncing it. Butterfries. For everybody listening out there being like, did she just say what I think she said? <laughs> butterfries. Oh, Literally, God. they call themselves butterflies. It's it's not so... A butterfree is a Pokemon that is basically a large butterfly. Okay. But there was an episode in the anime where Ash was like, I have this super great evolved Pokemon because it's the final form evolution of mm -hmm. uh, a set of Pokemon. And there's like a butterfree migration while all the butterfree are flying around this island or whatever. And Ash is like well, maybe my Butterfree doesn't want to be my slave for the rest of its life. Maybe it wants to go be with its people. So they let Butterfree go. And it's this emotional moment as he lets this Pokemon go and Butterfree flies away like into the sky. And Never it's about like loving seen. something so much but you have to let it go. I love so that he's like, the only, only Butterfree can go. Yes. Like every Pikachu, no, you're no, with no, me forever. And this is what's frustrating about the anime. We don't have to go down this rabbit hole, but he wants to be the very best Pokemon master, right? But he like lets half of his Pokemon go. Like, I think it was like a Machop and like maybe a Mankey or something. I yeah, could, he's like not. Yeah. Anywho, so the. That's called pet abandonment in our world, <laughs> Ash. You can't so, just adopt things and then leave them. That's irresponsible. No, it's exactly. Not, it's not good pet ownership. Um, so the <laughs> iconic thing about the first the first film, the end of it, Ash like kind of is like being owned by Mewtwo and Pikachu like cries. He's like, Ash, don't die. He doesn't really say that. He says, Pika, 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 whatever. Pika, this film, it's completely different. Mewtwo's nowhere Perfect to be found. Center. And immediately no longer interested. Yeah, it's it's a new retelling. <laughs> anyway, so Ash is getting completely owned by like, these epic Pokemon. And Ash is like, Pikachu, why don't you get in your bowl? Or whatever. That's Wait, it. what? He's fighting the, he's fighting these Pokemon and he wants his one Pokemon to get back in his bowl. Ball. Because he's selfless. He's a Pokemon because master, Alexa Ray. 
a really bad Pokemon trainer, well, but a good person. Of Pokemon. He's also been 11 for like 20 years. Know, so it's really creepy. weird. We need yeah. to. Yeah. He just has really good skincare. So Ash <laughs> is like on the brink of death. Yes, Timer. <laughs> and he's like, "Why won't you get your ball?" And Alexa, please do your impression of what comes out oh, of God, I hate Pikachu's it. mouth. Do I it. saw that. I haven't seen the movie, but I saw the footage. And he's like, Pikachu's like, Pikachu, Pikachu, Pikachu. And Ash is like, why, why, didn't, why don't you want to get in your ball? And Pikachu opens its f- mouth and says, <laughs> because I always want to be with you. And I immediately flipped over my computer, kicked my table, ran outside and screamed into the air. Like, I can't. I can't. It's not right. It's not right. It's not right. I just watched the clip. It's not right. It's not right. Pikachu, if Pikachu can talk this whole freaking time, what? Why would you ever say Pika Pika if he could just tell you what he's thinking? Oh, okay. We're going to play. I I actually did a really good impression. I'm proud of myself. But this is what it sounds like. You did a really good job, Alexa. Okay, and then at that point, <laughs> Ash's eyes go freaking huge. So it's <gasps> you can talk. Okay, so you here, son of a so bitch. <laughs> <laughs> All this time, so there are a lot of passionate fans out there who have a lot of feelings about this. I love you, the reaction videos. So oh much. my god! They're so so what you, so what you don't see in that video is every one of the audience is like, whoa, because no one is expecting like, it. Because I think they screamed, "What the f?" <laughs> Pikachu says. It says because and there's this there's one that was going around Twitter and Pikachu goes because and the whole audience goes whoa and it's like this comical like Monty Python sketch of a so, Pokemon like, movie. How I describe how this is weird to people, it says it's like I say it's like an infant talking. It's just a little strange. Yeah. Yeah. No, it sounds like like what if an infant could make mouth words. That's what it would like sound like. You wouldn't like. expect that to happen. Now, some people are saying maybe Ash was like hallucinating or he got hit in the head real hard. He's dying he's in dying. his last moment. And so he's like, it's like a connection they're having. But it kind of weirds me out. Now, Andrea, yeah. I know you're into it. I mean, I think that it's that it's okay for Pikachu to have a voice after so many years. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> the fudge out of here the reason i think it's okay is because i don't have this connection to pika only saying pika pika because i didn't ever watch pokemon or play pokemon i did my the very first pokemon i ever even attempted to try was pokemon x which is like not a great 20 years into pokemon um and so i'm like cool i don't i don't understand why people are like devastated by by pikachu having a voice um it ruins everything no i think i think it's cute i think also it helps um maybe deepen pikachu as a character and maybe provide some additional narrative assistance i don't listen pikachu is kind of light in the character development department whoa (laughs) (laughs) that was an angry pikachu voice (laughs) i may not have played a pokemon game for a while i am gonna play ultra sun and ultra moon um, I may have been off. Had, I may have rage quit the Pokemon bandwagon several years ago. However, Pikachu is through the anime. At least if you're if you watch the anime, probably one of the better has one of the better like personality character arts I, character arcs. I think of all of those. Sure, but when you're comparing him him to like the other Pokemon, it's art. Still a little light. In the character development. What other Pokemon? No, no. I'm talking about in spectrum of like 
all anime characters or all animation characters well, yeah. or even video game characters but not, at large. But you said of all the Pokemon, not all anime are Pokemon, Andrea. No, no. What <laughs> okay. To be, to be clear. I'm being, a, I'm sorry. <laughs> to be clear, I'm saying that Pikachu as a character in the fictional space of all video game characters. Yes, just, no, he's not the best. Make, let's make that the umbrella. He's not the best. Characters. He's light in character development. I would say, I would dare say, even a character like Link has more character development than Pikachu. Uh, Link All right, if she does uh, talk. But yeah, Link, Link, well, Link also does not talk. He just makes like sex grunts. He, he grunts a lot and he does weird facial expressions. And that's like the extent of his personality. <laughs> Samer, how do you feel about talking ah, Pikachu? I don't like it because I'm a, I'm a OG Pokemon fan. And he, Pikachu can, say, purist. he can say Pika Pika. He can say Pikachu. He can say Choo. He can say all of these versions. <laughs> he cannot the say versatility. Real yeah. Yeah. Anyway. I think it's funny. Oh, by the way, I found this video. Oh, we're gonna play Butterfries now. We're, you're gonna you're gonna love it. It's gonna be great. Butterfry video. Also, I highly encourage you to find this video on YouTube. There's also some adult words in it. I mean, this is an adult show. Is it? Are we an adult show now? We have always been an adult show. Oh, I've been really careful because I know there are small children that sometimes listen to the show. <laughs> Can this be our theme song from now on? what oh shut the fuck up bitch you can't stop us eating fries who are I they talking fries. to who's trying to stop them from eating fries There's i don't know girls, like in tutus with holding handfuls of french fries I can we it. recreate this video <laughs> oh I no told, i told john it's his theme song because he loves french fries <laughs> um huh. anyway it's great um, it's called Butterfries. You would think of that after we're talking about Butterfries. That's a very Andrew Butterfries. <laughs> it just popped into my head. I have bad ADD, ladies and gentlemen. I, I love the I weird mean, internet. Um, yeah, we've gone a little yeah. off the rails already, which I love. But yes. Um, so <laughs> thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for staying with us on this this journey that we have been on. The I magical mystery tour. Can we move on to a, an actual news story? Do hey. you want to continue down the path? No, of, I'm fucking done with Pikachu. Pikachu. <laughs> okay, great. It's Goodbye. Not Pikachu's fault. Okay. It's not. Um, no, it's not. But I don't know. I just feel really uncomfortable. Okay, we won't That's talk about fair. it. Anymore. Okay. <laughs> um. All right. <laughs> Next story. Um. Bungie has revealed this week some details about the Curse of Osiris, which is the first expansion pack coming for Destiny Two. So, um, this is for all of you guardians out there. The power cap is rising from three thirty. Oh, excuse me, from 300 up to 330 with gear and mods. That's from 305 up to 335. <laughs> so I only have one character up there. So that means I gotta gotta get hopping on the other two. Um, the experience cap is going to be going to 25. So another five levels. And as far as the activity goes... Bungie has confirmed in their live stream that they had uh, earlier this week that's bringing back the Heroic Strike playlist, finally, 
with the curse of Osiris. And so the campaign stories will take place a few months after the events of Destiny's 2 story, um, which, of course, ends with spoiler something alert. that I'm not going to mention. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, spoilers. I mean, like, honestly, like if you're playing Destiny, this the campaign is like the first drop in the bucket in, in that um, as far as like what you do in that game. And so it ends a few months after that. So this leads. Um, um, I'm sorry. Let me get back to where I was in my story here. Um, there will be an essential component for the Vex master plan with Mercury, which the robotic aliens terraformed ages ago. They've activated a Vex gate on the planet in Ikoray. The Warlock Vanguard will need you to investigate. Um, I think this sounds exciting. They had mentioned that they were going to be doing more with Mercury um, previously. And in original Destiny, there was really the only way to get to Mercury was to play the Trials um, of the Nine. And um, or the Trials of Osiris, excuse me. The Trials of the Nine are for Destiny 2. And you had to do a flawless run in order to get to Mercury at the very end. I never got there. I didn't have enough time. And I just wasn't that good. Let's just call a spade a spade. <laughs> <laughs> I just was not that good. Um, And um, so I'm looking forward to checking it out in something other than just Crucible maps. So, Steimer, are you excited about this? Mm. That's a no. (laughs) (laughs) I I mean, like, my one character's like... um, like 280 or something so no or, oh, like i don't even know if she is get 280 you up there i just got to raid a couple of times <sighs> <laughs> the look on stammer's face right now yeah. i don't know man i don't know i could yeah you're right i could get carried through a couple raids but like i'm sure that what's good guardians would carry you that's do what I, they're there do for. i want to be carried there, there for they can't carry know. it for you but they no. No, I saw what you were trying to do there. I'm with you. I'm with you, Alexa Ray. <laughs> I tried. <laughs> Abort. Bye. Failed lower the Oh, I tried. Float. But that, yeah. Um, I'm excited for this. I have said previously that I'm looking forward to getting back into Destiny and to really... Um, deep diving and, and doing more stuff and playing more with the uh, with the clan members i've obviously had to take quite a break from destiny because there's just so much happening which of course we will be discussing in the next segment um but i don't think there's really much more to say upon this uh we'll revisit this after it comes out which is on december 5th so very soon um next up stardew valley now this i'm New excited content. about content is <laughs> coming in so with the recent launch on nintendo switch of course, much awaited, long awaited, much awaited, long awaited. Uh, multiplayer mode is finally going to get here. Um, so Eric Barron, who works on the game, said that there's a new content coming in addition to multiplayer. On Twitter, he teased that he'll bring something new to the game alongside the update. Although what this will entail is a mystery. He did post a pretty neat picture of a ship with some lights on it. Pure speculation, of course, at this point. But what do you ladies think that this could potentially mean? I have no idea, but I hope it's not more fishing. Let me (laughs) fishing is so fun, Steimer. Oh my god, I hated fishing. Why do you hate fishing? (laughs) I love fishing. when I so if, there's a photo here, which um, for everybody who is listening and watching, I'll try to describe. So it's a ship that's like uh, like on water. So it's not a spaceship. It It looks like a boat. It's a regular ass boat. It's, it's off by a dock. It's off of the dock. It's yeah. off the docks, which is in the main game. Yeah. It's got oh a God. little string of cute lights. There's some boxes on this ship. Lake parties. More banging. Um, oh, all the yeah, banging. girl. And all of it. I don't know what this what this means. 
I am excited. I'm scared. I assume. Oh, sorry. Stardew Valley and me is like, it's a very, like many other people, thousands and thousands of people, probably more than that. It's a very deadly addiction. Once it's so I start, relaxing it's, it's No, it's it's the most cathartic, that in Story of Seasons, the most cathartic game that makes time go faster more than anything else. And it, that makes sense. Time goes really fast when you're playing that game. And I'm excited to jump into it. But um, the new Harvest Moon game just released. And so I know. Oh, these, girl. I'm very scared to play it. So I think I will probably try to forget about that and play some more Stardew Valley. <laughs> I'm assuming that this is go- is this is going to be a transport method to a new map, like similar to Ooh, the bus yeah. driver, right? Oh, sure, that's a great point. Yeah, because the bus driver takes you to that desert area. Yeah, and then I didn't mm. even think of that. That sounds so fun. Samer, will you do the multiplayer? Yeah, yeah. Will you yeah. play with me? Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. hundred percent. Can we start a what's good games farm? Oh my god, yes. Let's do it. Yes. So it's kind of interesting because I've never I've played these farming games since I've been like eight years old, but I've never played any multiplayer version of it. So I'm thinking like, how would you do this? Would you be like, okay, you take care of the crops, I'll go do like the animals, and then we'll do some like mining. You can go do sounds like fishing. a nightmare overcooked waiting to happen. It kind of does, right? Like, what if your partner like sucks and like doesn't water all the crops adequately, and then they die, and then there goes like your supper for the then night, you maybe. unfriend them and never talk to them ever again. <laughs> Goodbye forever. <laughs> That seems extreme. But is like, it, how does, this is Stardew Valley. Something as simple as Stardew Valley. Mm, <laughs> we're gonna have a problem. So maybe you know this, but how does the? Is it like it's a co-owned farm? So do you both like have to romance different people, or is it like someone visits your farm? Do you know? Great question. I don't okay, know. No, that's fine. Can you I don't really know. Players? Oh shit. Oh yeah. Can you romance other players? Can you do it? <gasps> We should know these things. Um, Are you okay, Steimer? What's I was, happening? I was looking. At, I was trying to look for a different article, and then of course, ads played because. <laughs> you're like, oh no! Don't put the like, ads oh, in the I recording. Gotta they gotta pay us for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay, I'd like to so see a new area. The players, the other players can do almost anything the main player can, including mining, foraging, taking part in festivals, and getting married. Um, That's on, it. Okay, players will be able to build up to three cabins on their farms, each of oh. which can house a friend. There's enough for everybody. We can all have a farm. We can Andrea, have a you farm. Could farm. Rally. Do it. What's good? Farm. Do I have to? Yes. I you played Destiny with you. That's fair. <laughs> I didn't do anything for you yet, so. <laughs> I downloaded <laughs> Final Fantasy IX for you. You did. We have to play it. Maybe we'll play tomorrow. That would be fun. Um, or something. Have you ever played a farming game before? Does SimCity 2000 count? Yes. 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 Um, I've also played Dune 2 and the original Dune, both RTSs on PC. Those also have a farming element. You farm spice. So, um, but have I played like a game like Harvest Moon or, or like like Stardew Valley that's like the main mm-hmm. mechanic is like farming and then talking to people? No. <laughs> God, when you phrase it like that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I so reductive. <laughs> it's fun. I'm not trying to be reductive. Nothing. I mean, the 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 mobile game that I was like super obsessed with for a long time, um, um, Kingdoms of Middle Earth, that has a, a had a big farming aspect, but it was a different kind of farming. It was more of like the grindy farming instead of like literal like plant some potatoes. So, <laughs> <laughs> but like, I don't know. Listen. I will try it. If you guys want me to be on your farm, I will give it a go. Thank you. I will try it on Switch. That's all we ask. All right. Can, I will get the game on Switch and we can all yes. play on Switch. This podcast yeah. will probably cease to exist because we'll be so absorbed in it, but that's fine. I don't think I will. I think I'll I think I'll enjoy my time, but I don't think I'm going to get obsessed. 
There's no. Because I really want to get back. Famous into last words. I can't. Oh, I can't you spend can't, too much time in Stardew Valley. You can't shoot people shoot. in Stardew Valley. Yeah, I was. Yeah, you can hit them with That's, a sword. There you go. There's combat. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. I, I want a pew pew. Pew 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 Yes, Andrea. We're working on her, ladies and gentlemen. I'll try it. Okay. Next story. There is a new EA action game with never before seen gameplay. Okay, so this is interesting. So this, if you guys remember, are you sneezing or scoffing? She's scoffing. I was scoffing. Oh, okay. At E3 a couple years ago. Do you guys remember when EA had a bunch of that like conceptual gameplay and like their whole conference was just all like conceptual stuff? I mean, they're all just conceptual now. So, well, I mean, yeah, but like they made a point to call it out. So, this happened in 2015. And so, this was kind of like a GTA style action game. And like we saw like a little hint of it, but we haven't really heard much of it since. So, the studio that's working on that game is Motive, which we didn't know at the time that they were working on it. So, Motive obviously just uh, shipped. Uh, Battlefront 2. Um, so they worked on that game or partially worked on that game. And this is more importantly the game that former Assassin's Creed producer Jade Raymond is working on. So I've been really interested to see what she's been working on for quite some time. Now we don't really know much about the game, but EA CFO Blake Jorgensen spoke recently at the UBS Global Technology Conference and he said that it has a lot of new interesting gameplay that I don't think anyone's ever seen before. And he generally spoke about why EA is moving into the action game space and also added the Bioware's new IP Anthem is action is clearly the place where we're missing the most. And the reason we're building Anthem and the new title, the Jade Raymond's team a motive is building in Montreal, the largest sector in gaming. He called it. It's the one where we haven't spent a lot of time in because we were so focused on sports and first-person shooters. We feel like there's a huge opportunity there. So this is not surprising, especially given the recent news that happened with Visceral and how they shut down that project, which was meant to be like a single-player, more narrative-focused um, Uncharted-like experience in order to probably add in more of a games as live service, like bedrock to that series. Um I think that this fits for 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 Jade act, uh, coming from you know an Assassin's Creed history and and kind of you know where Motive has been working on stuff in the past. Like I would like to see them kind of spread their wings a little bit. Um, what do you guys think? Do you think that this is the right move for them to move into more action focused games? Well, can't wait to see that get canceled in two years. Oh no! You really you think this is going to happen? Honestly, I don't know. EA, what are you doing? I don't know. I like until I see like something functioning gameplay or like get my hands on a friggin' demo, I will believe this thing will be a thing when I can touch it because they're just not. I mean, it's it's mm, fair. Mm, and I mean, and Bioware in particular mm. has also had some other projects canceled. But also um, like the visceral game was an action game. And this sounds like or like a narrative focused action game. And Anthem is like a multiplayer, like it's like very much, it is an action e-game, but it's like leaning into the, this is a multiplayer thing. This is a multiplayer experience. So is this going to be another big multiplayer experience? Like how do you have a big multiplayer shoot a big multiplayer experience that has the success of something like GTA, for example, without, or, or Destiny without like guns? Uh, you can do Dragon Age Inquisition. That is true. Dun, dun, dun. But what else can you do that's not dragons and magic 
Um, well, I mean, I'm obviously Anthem is going to have guns in it more than likely. Um, yeah. So Hooray. I think that, you know, just the fact that it's guns versus swords is maybe like splitting hairs a bit. Um, I don't think that you have to have something that has multiplayer like destiny in order for it to be successful. I think the Assassin's Creed franchise has proven that that franchise doesn't need multiplayer to be successful. And in fact, probably was arguably more successful when they decided to take multiplayer out of that series. Uh, look at black flag. And of course, most recently origins and that they aren't hurting for unit soul. You know, so there, I mean, Ubisoft has clearly um, had a lot of great success with that story. And, you know, I think EA, like EA's gotten a lot of flack this week. And obviously, we know we're getting to the Battlefront 2, like, microtransactions fiasco in just a second. But um, I think that they're, and you can call me a corporate apologist for this if you want, but I think that they're getting a lot of flack for tearing down multiplayer experiences or tearing down single player experiences and kind of warping them when in reality they have been providing these kind of tentpole AAA experiences for decades. I mean, look at what they've done with the sports franchises that they own and how they added single player into Madden this year, which is something that people just magically forget when they when they get mad and want to throw EA under the bus and be like, EA doesn't support single player. I'm like, no, they deliberately put a single player component into one of their most popular franchises that is a top 10 selling game every single year. They didn't need to do that. To be fair, though, Andrea, the reason they're saying their PR statement was really garbage. uh, No, it totally totally was. With the closure of Visceral and all that stuff. And that's why the narrative has been the way it has, because their statement just made it seem that um, that they were sort of like crapping on single player experiences, which I, I agree with you, Andrea. I don't think that they intended to really say that. I just think it was really poorly worded. And also they just acquired, we didn't talk about this, Respawn as well. And so people are like, oh, you're going to sh- shut down Visceral and then acquire Respawn. Uh, I mean, I ag- I don't think it's a wrong business move. I mean, I agree with you, Andrea. Like, it's, you know, it's what a company does. But I just think it just makes them look bad in the eyes of people who don't quite understand. And which is everyone. Which is everyone. <laughs> right, totally. And I mean, I know it's our job to, like, analyze these things, but it just feels kind of dirty, like, overanalyzing, like, the statement. Like, he's like, this game has new ideas that have never been thought of before. And it's like, I understand. That's cool. I understand. You have to create the buzz and the excitement, but... See you later. But that's, yeah. like, I, I, I worry about him boring, saying yeah. that, because, like, now I was like, well, you better deliver, because... I can't imagine what gameplay element you have that's never been seen before. Like we at this it's point you've mean. pretty much seen what you can do and it's just mixing and matching mm-hmm. and balancing um right. a lot at this point. So we'll see. Put your money where your mouth is, sir. Yeah. Like yeah. I it's 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 a lot of fluff. It's it's a lot of fluff and they're just I know everyone's like ripping on them for all that other stuff, but I really do think the the whole way that they handled the vis- the visceral thing is a very telling, like just makes me feel like, oh, you're going to do an action game. That's like, like when you, when, when I think like, when I think action game, I think immediately I think of Assassin's Creed because that series is like been around forever and it does the action genre really well, stuff like that. Um, stuff like Shadow of War and Shadow of, and Shadow of Mordor. So like, I don't know. And even all those, all of those games iterate on the things around them like shadow of war or shadow of mortar very clearly had a little bit of like maybe like batman and assassin's creed like influence in it like all of these games 
see what the other games are doing and say, how can we take that and skin it with this IP or make it with this story or tweak it a little bit and add a little wrinkle to it. Um, like Tomb Raider, the first Tomb Raider is uncharted with a, with a, with an ax that you can run around with. So like things, gameplay elements you've never seen before, unless the, unless the game can like make me a grilled cheese and then like pleasure me sexually, then it's Whoa. not, then it's not something that we haven't seen before. Oh so this is just like the grilled cheese. <laughs> this is just like, this is just like a, the grilled cheese. Okay. The grilled cheese. This is just a lot of fluff and talk. And I feel like he had to say this to like smooth over what's been going on this week. So I don't know. I'll believe it when I see it and it's in my hands doing something that has never been done in my hands before. Right. Now I want a grilled cheese. Sorry. Um, Okay. So let's just roll right into the um, Battlefront 2 news since we're talking about EA. Obviously, this has been going back and forth now for several days. So we're recording this on Wednesday night. And hopefully by Friday, nothing else catastrophic happens that they don't do another AMA, which they should never have done. No, everybody's a uh, bad idea. Let's poke the tiger. Um, well, it was a so, bad idea mostly because they had nothing good to say. Like they just yeah, didn't have so, any answers. <laughs> cool. Right, which is exactly why they shouldn't have said anything. So for people who aren't caught up, Star Wars Battlefront 2 launched today, Friday, November 17th. But it went into um, early access, not in your traditional sense of early access, like the game's not finished, but like you could play the game early if you had an ea access subscription you could play over the weekend on xbox or if you pre-ordered the deluxe edition you could also play early on playstation so there's been kind of rolling waves of players that have been jumping into the game over the last couple of days and they had said after the beta hey we hear you about the star cards and the credits we're going to tweak the numbers and make it better and it came out over the weekend, last weekend, that it wasn't better, that it was bad, and that somebody on Reddit did like a really lengthy spreadsheet where they were like, let me break down exactly how many hours you're going to have to play this game in order to unlock these higher level heroes, heroes that are commonplace in the Star Wars universe. People like Darth Vader, like Luke Skywalker, and even like the new star of the game, Iden Versio. So they're like, like, tens of thousands of credits in order to unlock these heroes and some of the just you know to pull an example for example to get like luke skywalker at the amount of credits he was previously before they dropped him down earlier this week you would have had to play something like 40 hours of multiplayer matches to unlock this single one hero versus like all of the other heroes that you may or may not want and then imagine you have to play 200 plus hours of multiplayer to unlock three to four different heroes. This is clearly like a broken, balanced economy when you have to pay $60 just to get in the game. And most people, if they were playing over the weekend, they probably pre-ordered a deluxe edition, which means they probably paid between $80 and $100 for their game. And so this was bad. It was a hot, hot mess. and The hottest of messes. And one of the EA community members jumped into the Reddit, which was a mistake. <laughs> Never go to the Reddit, okay? Left a comment, and it became the number Please. one most downvoted comment on Reddit of all time. I don't know what the number is currently, but as of I think uh, it was six hundred thousand plus. It yeah. was six hundred and eighty thousand when I looked last. Yeah, that which sounds is right. Outrageous! How many downvotes that is? So clearly, that poor people, guy's account. <laughs> people upset. People mad. 
and they were pissed off. And so EA pivoted immediately and they put out a statement on their blog. And I will read just briefly what they what they what they wrote on their blog. Just a little quick, a little quick summary where it says, dun, 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 dun. "What is this? What's that? What does that nice big fat header on top of it say?" It says, "Change will be a constant in Star Wars Battlefront 2. A message from John. AKA, we don't know how to balance our game, so we're just going to keep doing it until you're not mad at us anymore. We're going to launch it and then hope for the best. Pretty much. um, Since the start of the project, we've been listening to fans, uh, making sure Star Wars Battlefront 2 is the very best experience for all of you. Uh, We've done this through the closed alpha, through the beta, and our play first trial, and we continue to make adjustments based on your feedback. We want to ensure the game is balanced and fun both today and years in the future. Making games great comes from regular tuning. One example today, we're changing, we're making a substantial change based on what we've seen. There's been a lot of discussion around the amount of in-game credits and time it takes to unlock some of our heroes, especially Luke Skywalker and Darth Vader. Unlocking a hero is a great accomplishment in the game, something we want players to have fun earning. We use data from the beta to help set those levels, but it's clear more changes were needed. So we're reducing the amount of credits needed to unlock the heroes by 75%. Luke and Darth will now be available for 15,000 credits, Emperor Palpatine, Chewbacca, and Leia for 10,000, and Iden at 5,000. And based off what we've seen in the trial, this will amount will make earning the heroes an achievement, but one that will be accessible for all players. So they say it's a big change, and it's one we can make quickly. It'll be live today, which happened on Monday of this week, uh, with an update that's getting loaded into the game. So this was important for them to move swiftly. Um, and I'm glad that they did. However, <laughs> is it too little too late, even though technically all of this happened before the official launch date of the game? Now, didn't they also reduce the credits you earn after you complete the single player campaign? They did. They did. So they, they reduced the amount of credits you earn from the single, single player campaign to 5,000 credits. And it was previously 20,000 credits. What the oh my, shit? That's, that's a, a really big drop. Tell you about that, do they? Let me double check those numbers. <laughs> I believe that, that's what was sure in my head. Right. That was what was in my head, too. EA, what are you doing? It's it's fascinating to me because obviously, like, the community and gamers as a whole, a whole have, like, raised a huge <laughs> stink about this. And it's like, how, how much power... Andrew's shaking her head at me. How much power do we have? Like, how loud is our voice? Like, do you think EA went into this um, knowing that they were going to get a whole bunch of backlash and they expected this or they just wanted to test the waters? They wanted to see what they could get away with. Alexa, what do you think? I don't think they expected this at all. Like, if you you look at, well, if you look at every game coming out these days, like, unless you're, you know, Overwatch who does loot boxes properly, Mm -hmm. it's like every game is like, how do we get people spending more money um, after the game launches? How do we add to the longevity of the game? It's all, it all comes into the idea of games as a service. It is part of a service. And I just think that maybe EA just missed the mark in its planning stages. Like maybe, maybe some intern accidentally you know inserted a function on a spreadsheet from the beta yeah from the beta and like tripled everything by accident and it was a simple human error um it could have been people you know calculations could have been wrong it could have been uh they could have overestimated um how much time you know players were willing to put like 
put into this game. Maybe they base the metrics on Battlefront 1 and maybe there is some, maybe there has been a drop off in players or interest since the first Battlefront. Like who knows? All these factors are not things you can really measure. It's tough. So I think they just goofed. Yeah, I, I think that I think that they goofed. I think also basing the balancing numbers purely on the beta and the play first trial was a mistake mm-hmm. because even though they did get a substantial amount of players in the beta, you're going to get far more people in the actual player pool when the launch happens than in the beta because most players will wait until launch to play the game. And like I get that betas are obviously designed to stress test servers and to check balance and to check, you know, like active server load while while the playtest is happening. But I mean, to, to, to not have a better sense of the, the balance for the in-game economy by then really makes me question... You know, like just like how much QA their team did. I mean, it, it, to me, it doesn't take rocket science to know that somebody's not going to want to spend 200 hours to unlock Leia in Star Wars Battlefront 2. Right. That's right? too many hours. That's too many hours. And I feel like the people working on these games have to be a fan of video games themselves. They have to be somewhat in tune with the community and what they want, what they don't want. So part of me wonders, is this something like they're like, hey, we ran these numbers, these initial numbers, and these are our projected, this is our projected profit. And someone uppity up, up, up was like, that's not good enough. You know, we're funding this. You must increase it or something along those lines. Because how could this pass? I know they want to make money, but. Correct me if I'm wrong, but you can actually just buy most of these characters, can't you? No. Well, you can buy no. You you can buy credits, which then get you like the star cards. I don't know exactly. Oh my how, god! Let me double check. I think you this you, double concern. Con- you buy the you credits, buy the and then boxes. through the credits, you can buy the loot boxes, and then if you get dupes, you can turn those in for credits. That's my. It's it's like a hidden lottery system. It's like a really roundabout way to so, do it. So so in theory, if you spent enough money, you could in some fashion use all real world money to obtain these characters. Yeah. In yes. a way it is possible. It is possible. It, I this think is, this is a money thing. It was a couple thousand dollars or something. Yeah. This, so this is a, this is a loot box design that is a very poor loot, poorly done loot box design. Um, and I, just that's too much money. Yeah, and I think the reason why, Steimer, you're raising your hand. I'm raising my hand because <laughs> I saw an article today that I forgot to put in here, but the country of Belgium is investigating this game because of the loot boxes and is determining whether or not it needs to have a gambling d- disclaimer or something on it. Whoa. So that's Jesus, Jesus, Battlefront too. <laughs> Belgium is on to you. Belgium <laughs> knows what's so, up. I think, yeah. So, I mean, the gambling issue aside, you know, we've talked about loot boxes and gambling, how the ESA, ESRB has said that loot boxes are not going to be labeled as gambling here in the United States, at least. Um, obviously, other countries have their own um, rating system. So I, the reason I think people are super upset, because clearly microtransactions and in-game content has been around for a while now um is that specifically in battlefront 2 heroes give you a substantial gameplay advantage in a match over like your basic troopers or your basic droids or whoever you're playing as and that's why i think people are are getting upset because like the balance i think is still being figured out exactly how much of the pay to win is coming into play just like in the beginning of destiny 2 there was a lot of outcry about the 
um, the mods that you could put on armor and weapons and how it felt pay to win. But then once they actually got out into the community, it became clear that it was such an incremental uh, boost that it didn't actually, it wasn't actually pay to win. Um, and so I don't know quite yet, especially with them changing the balancing, it's hard for us to know exactly how much of a pay to win aspect there is to this game. But we do know that there it does exist. These aren't just cosmetic skins. Like when you play as Luke or Darth, you get their abilities and you get, you know, more powers. It's not just like you're putting on a different cosmetic look. So that I think is really playing into why people are so upset about this. Well, that's also, Andrea, why Belgium is actually investigating. It's because of the fact that there is a gameplay advantage tied to the loot boxes. That's where they make the differentiation between um, like cosmetic stuff. Um, yeah, there's a good so. series of tweets by... J O A B Y Jojo. Jojo Alexa. Jojo. <laughs> yeah, and um he's the one this is how I figured it out because I don't know too much about this game, how it plays, but I've obviously been reading about the controversy. But buy crystals, from there you buy the loot boxes, you break down the duplicate star cards into credits, and then from there you can buy the heroes. That's too many steps. But it's still the same thing. Yeah. Well, it, I mean, these are kind of designed to be confusing economies too, right? right? I mean, Why? Exactly. It's just like I don't, I don't get it. How got, stupid do you think we are? You know, and I had a, I had a very spirited debate with Gary Witta about this on, on Games Daily earlier this week, and he came out and definitively was like, microtransactions are a cancer. We need to burn it all to the ground. We just, we need to put our foot down and say we're not accepting this anymore. And I said, I, 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 I pushed back against against that, not because I. I'm defending EA's decision for microtransactions in Star Wars Battlefront 2. But because of someone who has bought loot boxes, who bought loot llamas in Fortnite, and I buy packs in Paragon, and I've bought boxes in Overwatch in a variety of other games. And I've had no problem with spending that money because I feel like I'm getting something that is balanced for what I'm paying. And I think that they, developers just need to put more care into researching how to do these right. I mean, Alexa right here just bought loot boxes and Fire Emblem. I spent 80 more dollars. Before we started shooting today. <laughs> I spent $300 so like, on Fire Emblem Heroes. I don't think... Well, 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 you're mumbling that, but we're going to touch on that again. Don't think you're getting away. <laughs> um, is that... I don't think burning it to the ground and no. saying microtransactions are cancer is the answer. No. I, I think that we need to recognize as an industry that like microtransactions are here to stay in-game content is here to stay it helps fund ongoing development that's a fact video game development has gotten more expensive something people don't want to realize video game development gets more expensive every single year just like your rent gets more expensive or the food you buy gets more expensive and everything gets more expensive and that means that the costs are rising and the price of a video game hasn't changed in a generation and that's a problem mm -hmm. and so in order to supplement that these studios are bringing in microtransactions and i'm not saying that everyone's doing them right in fact i'm i'm abs actively saying a lot of people are not doing them right and i just want them to get it right because they're kind of poisoning the well for everybody else who is doing it right mm -hmm. and it's make makes this conversation that we have to have seemingly every week now <laughs> yeah it's the, bad all the more complicated yeah i don't feel like burning microtransactions to the ground is the right thing to do. I feel like what the right thing to do is be vocal about what you like and what you don't like. And we're but in a respectful way. Oh yeah, of course. Don't be a dick. Uh, we're kind Light of a little fire in Just no man's one. land right now where everyone's like, Oh, you know, microtransactions are hotter than ever. Loot crates hotter than ever. And so 
everyone's kind of testing the waters and they're going to see what they're going to get away with. And they may make a buttload of money and that we don't, I mean, we'll know about it, but people are still going to be buying them. But if you give them such a vocal negative reaction, clearly we just saw this happen when they cut the, the prices of these characters by 75%. Uh, I think that's a healthy way to try to balance this crazy thing that we're currently going through instead of just burning them to the ground and don't do death threats. Don't be a, just don't be a dick. Oh, yeah. Steimer, just to to reiterate what you said, somebody over on Kotaku, there was a calculation done that it would take roughly 900, or excuse me, 732 US dollars to <sighs> unlock all of the heroes via microtransactions. Oh, okay, that's less than I thought. That's but so still, still insane. But less no, than Brit spent on Pokemon Go. But also... <laughs> I'm like, you. that's so yeah. gross. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's fair, but Pokemon Go is free. Well, that's what I think. Like, I just I dislike it when it's a a free to play game mechanic in a sixty dollar game. Like when it's designed as if it was a free to play game, which is where the gameplay like elements come into those loot boxes. Like that's when it's not okay. Don't do that. Cosmetic is fine. Yes, indeed. All right. We'll be back next week with the same topic. (laughs) I know. Right. Same conversation. I hope not. All right, so moving on, um, the Game Award nominations have been announced. Da 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 da. Um, so let's talk very briefly about some of these nominations. I don't want to get too in the weeds with the Game of the Year discussion. Don't worry, I have ladies. a weed I would like to discuss. <laughs> we we will be having a full Game of the Year discussion in a few weeks down the road in December once we have some time to play a few more things. But, um, of course, we are one of the jury members of the Game Awards. We were very honored to be asked. And I'm very happy to see that um, Jeff Keeley, the executive producer of the awards, um, really broadened the scope of who was on the jury this year. As, as in past years, there's uh, several uh, international outlets. There's many more um, outlets here in the United States, including some people that we know like Easy Allies and, of course, some of the usual suspects like GameSpot and IGN. Um, so it's it's very cool. If you guys want to see who all the jury members are, you can get, find all that information on the Game Awards website. But, so, for Game of the Year, Ugh. we've got, for nominees, The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, Super Mario Odyssey, Persona 5, Horizon Zero Dawn, and it fucking pains me to say it, but Player Unknown Battlegrounds is also in this list. We will talk have about a this weed. later. <laughs> I have a weed. No, no, we can talk about this right now. Okay. Go ahead. You go with your weed first. My weed does not have to do with, with PUBG, so you oh. should go first. Okay. My single weed with this, and Trevor Starkey actually made this point. I'm like, you know, he's kind of right. He said, you know, when people are like, you can't judge Player Unknown Battlegrounds because it's early access and it has bugs and stuff. You can't, you can't judge it unfairly. It's like, but you can nominate it for Game of the Year. That just... I haven't processed that right away, but that really struck a chord with me. Like, wait, wait. So, what is his point? Let me. That let me people would be like, give it, give the game a break. It's not done yet, and right. but sorry, that's what but it is. it's game of the year. So, my question is, is that relevant? You can't have it both ways, right? Exactly, that, and that's what he's saying. If this game wins game of the year, I will Riot. backflip off the earth <laughs> it's going it's too long to happen that it won't just, okay it won't happen i better not i have faith in all of these voting outlets that they will not allow player unknown battlegrounds to beat any of the games that it's nominated against 
I have gotten in. I've gotten into some pretty heated debates with people about Zelda versus Horizon, which is fine. I think that's what Game of the Year conversations are for. But when you look at these four, and like we we also nominated Divinity Original Sin two, which clearly didn't make it in because not enough other outlets agreed with our opinion. But like, if you look at the four that are up against this, Persona five. Super Mario Odyssey and Breath of the Wild in addition to Horizon. Like, I mean, just the two Nintendo games going against each other head to head. I mean, I don't even know how play, I don't even know how PUBG is even part of this conversation. I really do not. I'm really mad. Because it's a gaming culture phenomenon. That's the I only don't reason. Care. You know so what else is a gaming? Of, so is League of Legends. That never made it onto a game of the year list. <laughs> Alexis is about you know what to else is a gaming explode. cultural phenomenon that didn't get nominated for game of the year at the fucking game awards near? Uh, there's Twitter. It? All over, all over Twitter, I've, I've, I've seen people talking about it, and I'm honestly pretty shocked that Nier didn't get, it didn't get nominated for uh, anything in narrative, and it didn't get nominated for Game of the Year, and I feel like it deserves to be at least in the nominations list over PUBG, because that game is just so weird and so innovative, and just so wonderfully produced and put together, the score, the art, like the story, the meaning behind it, and the way that you can sort of play it open-ended and get like 36 different endings. And I am with you, weird Twitter. And the reason a lot of people didn't play this game is because the first Nier was super weird and very niche, and people went, oh, Nier, that's weird. So then like not as many people played it this time around, but like I'm with you in your outrage. I'm really mad that PUBG is on there, and a game like Nier was passed over. Okay, that was my weed. No, that's a fair because that did take up a spot for another finished game. Correct. <laughs> yeah. was more well, I mean, there's so many games that were left off. And uh, like, listen, I, I got into it with Danny O'Dwyer. God bless him. He is a lovely person and makes fantastic videos over at Noclip. Um, and he's a supporter of ours and we're a supporter of his. But we got into it on Twitter about why he thinks PUBG deserves a Game of the Year nom, and he started rattling off all these stats. 20 million players, this many people watching on Twitch, this many people live streaming, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, you know, there's been so many games that have had as impressive numbers, if not bigger download in player-based numbers, games like Candy Crush, games like Pokemon Go, as I mentioned, games like League of Legends. Um, You know, and... And, it, and to me, I'm like, if, if that's what you're going to use as qualifying data to be like, this is why it needs to be part of the conversation. I'm like, I don't know, man. And I, I think, you know, there's definitely an argument to be made for people saying it's the most fun I've had with the game. But the most fun I had with a game last year was in was in Destiny and Paragon. But I wasn't about to nominate either of those for game of the year. I, th- I think the thing is, is like, obviously, everyone's criteria is different. And the thing that I said, and the thing that we discussed here when we were picking our game of the year nominations was, you know, let's look at all the different aspects of what makes a game. So that includes the, the, the programming, the level design, the narrative design, the art direction, the art, the character development, the acting in the game. If, if, if it does have acting, Mm -hmm. you know, and then overall, like, What's the polish like? Is it broken? Does it function? Is it compelling? Do you want to be in this world? Like all of these different things make up the core gameplay experience. And to say that a game like Player Unknown Battlegrounds can compete with a game like The Legend of Zelda: Breath of the Wild to or me Horizon. is not. Like, I mean, and Horizon is my game of the year pick. You know, I, I've ta- I've obviously said that over and over again. It's like 
I don't think that you are ever going to be able to convince me that PUBG belongs in this category, especially since when the cutoff happens for the voting cutoff and there there's a date that exists that games need to be released by, PUBG will still be in early access, even though they have technically announced they will be coming out of early access. It will not be in time for the cutoff date. And a, that was my bigger issue with it. Being in it being What's in that cutoff? category, I'm just not okay with. What's the cutoff date again? I believe it's late November. I would have to look it up. I think it's definitely November. PUBG is worthy of an of an award. Sure, we can't take that away from it. Well, and it's nominated for best ongoing game and best multiplayer. Sure, but like game of the year, like I, there, like you said, Andrea, like when you compare it to a game like Breath of the Wild or Horizon or even Near, it hasn't done anything. I mean, it has a very addictive gameplay. I get that, but it hasn't done anything super like mind blowing. You know, no, and like, it maybe if there's like a hype game of the year or most like whoa mind blown whoa, game of the year or something okay but not game of the no year. like you look at those other four like persona and horizon legend Zelda, mario those are four like like shit like those are four excellent games and when you look at those games those games have this like this 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 magic to them you want to be in them you have this like amazing experience and you can see when you play these games like the love like the love that, that every single person who worked on this game the des- the uh, the designers like the audio director the person who like maybe wrote the script or animated the robot dinosaurs or like wrote the physics for Cappy like everyone who put time into that game you can see how much they loved working on it and how special an experience they wanted to craft and PUBG is you're running around in a circle with fucking frying pans and guns shooting people i will that say that was very reductive but if you look at that's what we're looking at and i don't want to live in a universe where PUBG wins game of the year i hope it doesn't happen if the it got nominated that leads I, me to believe that it, there's a possibility that it, it could win and no, no it won't no i don't what's think good so. games the friends that, don't let this happen the fact that it got nominated though is a little like you guys it makes me mad it makes me like unreasonably annoyed the developer, the other, I think, talking to IGN, I can't remember exactly who they spoke to. Yeah, no, uh, you're talking about like, Brendan Green's inter- interview where he where he talked about the nomination. Yeah, and he was like, "We shouldn't what have been say? nominated for Game of the Year." Oh, yeah, he he himself was like, "I don't know why anyone would nominate us." Okay, well that that makes me feel because y'all are dumb. Y'all are thing, crazy. Are you <laughs> gonna, are you going to go down the rest of the the list? Yeah, so okay. I'm not going to go down every single category, but I just wanted to. So Gama Sutra had a nice little recap. Okay. They said uh, so the uh, the nominees have been revealed and big hitters like Super Mario Odyssey, Destiny Two, Wolfenstein Two, The Legend of Zelda: Breath of the Wild, and Horizon Zero Dawn are all up for multiple awards. But there's plenty of choice outside Triple A bubble with indie offerings like what remains of edith finch hellblade senua sacrifice mm-hmm. cuphead night in the woods and bury me my love all in contention for awards notably this year's ceremony will include two new awards one for live games and one for mobile titles with the former being added so the show is more reflective of games being ongoing services instead of just one-time releases the complete list of nominees features 102 games and individuals that's and awesome yeah, it's great. And the winners will be, of course, revealed live Thursday, December 7th. And, of course, you can go to the Game Awards website for all of the nominees. Um, I do want to point out, and I'm very glad and happy that we also nominated um, all of these women. Four women in the category for uh, Best Performance, yes. which is absolutely fantastic. Hanging there with... 
um, the actor who played B.J. Blazkowicz. Um, <laughs> That's so funny. You know, that, that, he did too. a good job. Oh, yeah, he did. He did yeah. a great job. Melina Jurgens as Senua in Hellblade. Laura Bailey for her role as Nadine Ross in Uncharted The Lost Legacy. Claudia Black as Chloe Fraser in Uncharted The Lost Legacy. Brian Bloom is his name who played B.J. in Wolfenstein 2. And then, of course, Ash- Ashley Birch uh, for Horizon Zero Dawn as Aloy. Uh, Ashley Birch, also named Forbes 30 Under 30. I saw that today. Hey. So, excellent. And the Games for Impact Award is always a really fantastic category. This is for a thought-provoking game with a profound pro-social meaning or message. Please Knock on My Door from Laval Games. Night in the Woods from Infinite Fall. Life is Strange Before the Storm. Our spoiler cast is coming up at the end of the show. That's from Deck Nine. Uh, Bury Me, My Love from The Pixel Hunt and Figs. And What Remains of Edith Finch from Giant Sparrow. And again, Hellblade, Senua's Sacrifice from Ninja Theory. So I won't talk about this too long because I know we have to move on. But yes, I'm very, very disappointed that Divinity Original Sin 2 was not at least nominated for Indie Game of the Year. It was nominated for Best RPG. I think a lot as of was pe- Final Fantasy 15. I think a lot of people don't realize exactly or don't think of Divinity as an indie game. Yeah, Larian Studios puts out phenomenal work, and they are an independent studio, and you know they've tapped into Kickstarter, and it was just you know made me a little a little upset, but that. It, but yeah, I think that's part of the issue. People don't understand that they're independent. But now you know, ladies and gentlemen, you can go and support your local indie developer, Larian Studios, at Larian Studios. Well, they're not local, but support them anyway. Well, no. They're <laughs> far from local. Very, very far away. It's true. Um, so one of the new categories, Best Ongoing Game, has uh, nominees Warframe, Rainbow Six Siege, Overwatch, <laughs> Overwatch, Grand Theft Auto Online, Destiny 2, and Player Unknown Battlegrounds. So, gonna be Overwatch. Yeah, I really think GTA Online should absolutely sweep this category without question. But it's gonna be Overwatch. But fucking PUBG is probably gonna win this. No, category. no, PUBG. I, really, I, I mean, and, and the work that Warframe has done should not be undersold. They also have been doing fantastic updates and really cultivated a very active community over there. Rainbow Six Siege has had legs that I did not think was going to, going to exist. I love that game <laughs> when it first launched. No, really. like they, they keep putting out stuff for that game. Legs. legs that I did not see going to exist. It's true. And then obviously, you know, Overwatch Hot has legs. a giant fan base. Sorry. And I'm a Destiny 2, 2 fangirl. But, like, I, I think people are going to vote for playing on Unknown Battlegrounds, and that bums me the fuck out because that yeah. game, if you compare the amount of content they've put out over this past year compared with the amount of content that any of these other games have put out, I'm just like, I don't, I don't understand why people nominated this game for stuff. Because people are simple fools, Andrea Renee. And that's why I'm People worried. are simple fools. If that <laughs> game wins any awards, it's going to... I don't... It, I we're don't. Not, okay, to be fair, I don't want to sound like we're hating because we're, we're not hating, hating, hating on. I we're am. definitely hating okay. on PUBG. <laughs> I want to say we're hating. I'd say we're just like okay, Alexa. Is. Andrea is. I'm definitely hating on it. It's more of like I feel like their time just isn't right now to win these awards. I feel like if if it's some sort time. of award, yeah. yeah, it's just not their time. We love you and you're doing phenomenal. Just but go away. Just <laughs> let, let <laughs> there be more. Yeah. Sure, no, when you said that, I, I thought just, of the the Chris Kardashian gif of you're doing amazing, sweetie. <laughs> 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 I just ah, I just all of these like all of these games are like so cool and do great <laughs> shit and have like inspired people and like moved people and become these like cultural phenomenons and these wonderful messages and like cool shit and then you have this freaking game with the frying pans and the guns and the dudes running in the circle 
I can't. I understand that a lot of people play it and it's fun to play with a bunch of people and make funny like gifts that maybe Kotaka will pick up and post on their front page. But no, I, do, I can't do it. I do think it's funny that Fortnite is going head to head against PUBG in the best multiplayer category. Oh man. PUBG was but Fortnite's best be marketing fair, ever. If yeah. you were going to be annoyed that PUBG was nominated, technically Fortnite shouldn't be nominated either because it's also not released. No, that's very I good. I 100% very good agree that that game is yeah. still in early access. Yep. Um. So, I mean, I, the other cat- games in that category are Call of Duty World War II, which has been like the tentpole standard for best multiplayer for years, but they're never going to get recognition, which is unfortunate. Uh, Splatoon 2, also great, but they're missing voice talking, so maybe they shouldn't win. Uh, Mario Kart 8, I don't know how Mario Kart 8 snuck into this category. <laughs> what? Like, what are you doing what? in here, Mario what? Kart 8 Deluxe? What? Um, and Destiny 2, which to me should win, um, because yeah. I think that they're great. But listen, PUBG, you know, if they were going to win any of the awards at, at the Game Awards this year, this would be the category, I think. Would, would that make the most amount of sense? Because they do have a lot of functionality, and what they've done with squads and things like mm. that is very cool. So, like, I could see, I could see an argument if we're, we're if we're living in a world. No, <laughs> I've got an award for you, PUBG. How about biggest bamboozlement of literally everyone? Oh, PUBG. Oh. Bamboozle. That's a great biggest, word that we have. Biggest bamboozlement. This podcast being like they hate us. Biggest, yeah. biggest bamboozlement. Well, there goes that sponsorship. <laughs> Well, no, <laughs> like, like if you way. like it, that's great. But <laughs> you're never my game of the year. Not, <laughs> I know they. <laughs> no, no. Okay, that's okay. What she said. <laughs> not if Chocobo's oh. in it. All right, listen. Um, we're gonna move on. If you guys want to check out the rest of the nominees, uh, you can do so at thegameawards.com. Um, don't forget, you can vote for me. Thanks. Yeah, uh, you, you will vote for you, her. This has been says. the longest news section ever, but I can't leave without talking about the Fire Emblem story expansion coming for <laughs> Fire Emblem Heroes. Oh, you guys are so great. The new storyline stars new characters, Fjorm. Fjorm? <laughs> How do you say his name, Alexa? I don't know. The it's ice, an ice princess. Pr- oh, her name, Fjorm. the Ice Princess, Fjorm. will team up with other Fire Emblem characters to defeat Surtur. <laughs> I fucking love Fire Emblem. I have too many consonants in this. Name. I the love Fire Emblem. Ruler so of much. Flame. If it's not obvious by their titles, the second book is all about an ongoing fight between fire and ice. Hmm, I wonder where you stole that from. Oh, George R.R. <laughs> R. Martin. <laughs> to celebrate the next part of Fire Emblem Heroes, Nintendo will offer up a five star version of Fedrorm. Shorm. This is to the best. Players this is so good. Beating the first part. Can we just have a, She's doing it for me, which is why this is so great. A podcast where Andrea reads names. <laughs> Proper nouns with Andrea Renee. <laughs> maps compromising. Sorry. Maps comprising chapters one and two are now available. Alexa salivated when she opened her phone today and was like, new maps. Oh, I opened it this morning. There was like a broadcast overnight. <laughs> Nintendo did like a broadcast. And I opened my phone and I opened the first thing I do every morning morning my alarm goes off my boyfriend gets out of bed and i roll over and i grab my phone and i open up fire emblem heroes it's the first thing i do every morning and i opened it and it was like new event and i was just like (gasps) i was like late for work it was this big thing no i love i i really love fire emblem heroes because they're really they put a lot of effort yeah it's like an rng jesus like 
like I finally got my Takumi after $300 and now I've overleveled him and can't really use him for anything anymore. Um, <laughs> Worth it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but they've really gone in, like what I deeply appreciate about it is they really went in on the story. Like they really care about the story sort of built around all of this. And yes, you're like collecting all these heroes that exist already in sort of like a weird, like Pokemon esque fashion and making, making them fight for you. But they have their original characters and book two sounds like they are bringing in another set of kind of like how they did with Fire Emblem Warriors. They're bringing in another set of characters and making another world and doing stuff with it and sort of making a nice little wrapper for all of it. Um, and I really like it. Like, I'm really excited for this. I'm glad that they're doing more story content and not just continue releasing new maps with kooky costumes. Although I, that is what I spent money on. The horny with, casino. With the horny casino. kooky costumes? Kooky costumes. Kooky. So like I right now like, they're finishing up. Crisp. Like yeah. They're <laughs> oh, finishing up their, their Halloween event and all of the costumes are really, really cool. Mm. Yeah, no, I'm really excited about it. Yay, Fire Emblem Heroes, which also got nominated for Best Mobile Game. It did. Yeah. We nominated it. Yay. Um, okay. Well, thank you for that update on the Hornet <laughs> Casino. Uh, all the excitement has we left will, your voice. We will come back <laughs> for Fjorm. a full report for, once you figure out who this person, this ice princess is. <laughs> um, ladies and gentlemen, that'll be the end of the longest first segment in the history of the What's Good Games podcast. Uh, but it's worth it because Alexa Ray is back. Of and course. It's been fun. And we had lots of laughs. Hopefully you did too. Um, stick with us. We are going to take... A- oh my God. Here we go. Transition. Turn it off. <laughs> we'll be right back after the break. Stay with us. <laughs> this episode of the What's Good Games podcast is brought to you by TakeThis.org. Most of us spend a lot of time thinking about our bodies. Gain a little weight, loss a little weight, back hurts from sitting at a desk too much, stomach hurts from too much avocado. But how much time do you spend thinking about your brain? There are a lot of simple things that you can do every day to keep your brain in shape. Take breaks from work, get enough sleep, drink more water, put down those screens. Well, you know, as much as you can. Now, it sounds simple, but taking care of your body's needs can actually help your brain, too because it's all connected. And sometimes your brain needs more help, and that's okay too. This is just one of the things that we learned from our friends over at TakeThis.org. TakeThis has been working to bring the mental health care community and the video game community together since 2012. If you or someone you love is feeling not okay and could use a little advice, visit them at TakeThis.org. And if you have the resources to donate or volunteer, TakeThis.org is where you can do that, too. It's okay to not be okay. Take this. Welcome back, everybody. Thanks for sticking with us here on the What's Good Games podcast. It's time for Hands On, where we talk about what we've been playing. Yay. Um, spoilers, it's going to be a lot of what we were talking about last week, yeah. probably, um, with a little bit of new stuff mixed in, because, of course, Alexa Ray has returned. I played some games. What have you played, Alexa? Yeah. Where do I start? It's a good question. What did you what like the you best? Can say? Yeah. What did I like the best? Yeah, out of all this oh, list that you have tough here. question. Shit. What did I like the, the best? I feel like the thing that I have spent... No. No. Okay, so the two games that I have spent about the same amount of time in is Super Mario Odyssey and Assassin's Creed Origins. I would love to hear some of your Odyssey thoughts. Oh, my God. Oh, Here we go. Okay, that... Cappy is way more terrifying than I ever could have imagined. <laughs> 
sorry, I, mean, I had to burp. Cappy is no wait. So okay, for for the record, before this game came out, you talked about how terrified you were of Cappy, yeah. and now you're telling me he is more terrifying than you could have imagined. He is more terrifying than I ever could have imagined. Okay, okay, and it ties in to a theory I have about Super Mario Odyssey. Um, I know a lot of you haven't finished it yet, so I'm not gonna. I'll be as vague as I can. But there are places you go in Super Mario Odyssey, such as the Luncheon Kingdom, where everything is made of food products. And that place, wink, wink, people who finish the game, you know what I'm talking about. And then that other place, and then that other, other place, wink, 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 you all know exactly what I'm talking about. And <laughs> and the things that happen are just so bizarre. Like Bowser is a very good wedding planner, like a really <laughs> excellent wedding planner. Like that's I w- something I never thought I'd ever hear. I in was my just life. Right, say right, right. that. Yeah, he's he's a brilliant wedding planner. He has it all figured out. His outfit looks great. His little comb over. Okay, too bad the you bride look great. isn't willing. Yeah, well she's uh she's oh, like really? she's like hanging out like not whatever. Um. And there's a thing that happens uh, at the end of the game that is very much like, huh? So I have a theory about Super Mario Odyssey, and this makes all of it make sense. Why you're collecting power moons, why you're on this weird hat-shaped thing flying through the sky, why Bowser is like having like the Kardashian wedding of the century, why your old girlfriend Pauline is running a city called New Donk City, the things that happen in New Donk City. Okay, tell me. The entirety of the Luncheon Kingdom. Mario is dead the entire time. <laughs> okay. Go on. If you have okay. started Super Mario Odyssey, <laughs> and I hope all of you have at least started Super Mario Odyssey. Yeah, we have. The first two minutes of the game, uh, uh, Mario and Peach and Bowser are all on Bowser's airship. And Tiara is already on Peach's head at this point. And Bowser's like, I'm a... I'm a t- um, I'm doing my thing. And so Mario is like, oh, I'm going to fight you because this is the thing that we do now. Yes. And Bowser always. And Bowser has a hat. He also has a hat that can do things. And his hat uh, has little like boxing gloves in it. And he uses his hat and he literally punches Mario off of the ship. The ship is like flying in the air. It's pretty high up. There's like not a lot of clouds, which needs which leads me to believe this is like above the stratosphere. Like it's it's like where you probably won't be able to breathe if you go up like five more feet. So he punches him off the airship. Peach goes, Mario! And he flies away and falls from a great, 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 great height. When you see Mario again, he's in like the Super Mario equivalent of a Halloween town in this black, just everything is black and there are big buildings shaped like hats and a weird fog and it's very creepy and very weird. And Mario is laying on the ground. And if you pay attention to the controls, you don't really have, like, it tells you to press B to jump up. But you're laying there for a minute, and you have nothing to do. Like, you can't do anything yet. The game wants you to see where you are first. And then Mario jumps up, and his and his companion is immediately this, like, weird little hat ghost thing. He has the little, like, feeties and, like, the hands of the booze, which leads me to think he's, like, he's a ghost wearing a hat or a hat that is a ghost, <laughs> so confused or the ghost ghost of it but he's not the ghost i think i've I've ruled out being the ghost (laughs) of a dead hat i think that's not the case because we see mario's initial cap get shredded and we're like okay so he's not the ghost of a dead hat he's a ghost possessing a hat or is he or he is a ghost that is a hat so i'm I'm so confused already you guys so cappy (laughs) 
So in Cappy's presence, Mario starts moving around again. And Cappy's like, hi, I'm a talking hat. And I am a hat that can possess things. And if you throw me at an object, you can go into the object and be the object. So here is my theory. The Mario that you are playing as for all of Super Mario Odyssey is not Mario. Mario has passed on and that is Cappy animating his body. That's fudged up. It is. It is fudged up, Brittany Brombacher. (laughs) It is very fudged up because if you notice and 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 when you possess another you are not in Mario's physical body because when you possess another creature, you go into it. There's that animation of you going up and into it. Uh, so Mario is physically inside of this being, which means like can't be his body. It's got to be his, Mar- the soul of Mario. And some of the creatures that you possess, once you're done possessing them, you pop away. They kind of sit dazed for a few seconds so you can decide whether or not you want to repossess them. And then they poof out of existence. They cease to be. Hmm. You have de- you have destroyed a life because you <laughs> entered their body, pushed their soul out of it, possessed their body, and their body with no soul in it goes poof into whatever, what, however physics in the Mario universe works. The body just poofs away. Let me just float an idea to you for a second. No. <laughs> Is it possible that you're overthinking this maybe no. just a little bit? No. No, you don't think so. Have you seen the Luncheon Kingdom at all? I have not. Neither Girl. Have I. Girl, it is a trip. Okay, question. Do you see Cappy in the very, I can't remember. Do you see Cappy in the beginning on the ship with Bowser? It, uh, when they're like getting their like first initial brawl on, is he there? I'm wondering. No. Okay. I don't think I so. I think it's the, just the it's just tiara. tiara ghost it's just hat. The tiara. Okay. So what does it mean that the tiara is visible? Does it mean anything? That she's present? Mm-hmm. I think that tiara is like maybe maybe Bowser has some dirt on her or something. And the reason that Peach cannot escape is because Tiara has control of her body because she's sitting on her freaking head. Because Peach is also dead. No. Peach she's is not no. also dead. This Peach is, is not this is also dead. corpse bride. However, there are several, there are several things, several things that happen at the end of Super Mario Odyssey Don't that die. raise, they raise some ethical questions for me personally um certain people and things that you possess certain events that happen um i felt uncomfortable i felt uncomfortable playing through those segments because it felt really weird and turned the mario universe upside down i none of you have finished it yet so you don't know what i'm talking about but if you finish that ending section you know what i'm talking about and it's weird right (laughs) you people you you people you people listening it's weird it's strange and weird and a little uncomfortable i got a little squirmy um (laughs) So that's my theory is that Mario is actually dead and has passed on. Um, And what is happening is his body is animated by this possessed cap. Or if you want to look at it a different way, because he most certainly dies from that fall. The entirety of Super Mario Odyssey is the is a dream of a dying man. It's a dream sequence. As Mario's broken body lays on whatever (laughs) thing it landed on. As the life drains out of him. Ooh. This is his dream, and he dreams of his love running off with his nemesis, and this weird wedding, and the luncheon kingdom, and this weird hat that can possess other creatures. Sorry, Nintendo, I'm not using your verbiage. I don't care. Um, <laughs> but that's, but but that's like that's it. Like you wonder why. Like Luigi's not in the game. Where is he? Of course, when Mario's dying, he's not going to think about. Of course, his brother's not present because he's not thinking about him. He's thinking about the woman he loves, and he's thinking Aww. about his nemesis. Like he's Wouldn't not. He's not there because he can't be there. Though? No. 
It depends. Uh, I, think, I don't know. Mario like screws Luigi over big time. Yoshi's <laughs> not true. there either. Ooh. So it's oh, like, well, he punches who, Yoshi in the head. That's not surprising. Yeah, he he jumps off of him to jump across cliffs. Of course, you're not thinking of the dinosaur that you wronged. <laughs> but like, oh god. But that is my theory, a Super Mario Odyssey, because Cappy, like the whole ethical idea behind Cappy brings up some questions about like free will and like, where does your spirit go when you die? And like, and like, like in uh, uh, the books of one Philip Pullman, who when your soul, which is a small animal, Steimer and I are both reading the same book right now. Um, I'm so when, excited you're bringing this up. Yes. When they, so you have your soul is manifested as an animal that lives with you. And when you die, your animal turns into dust and poofs away because it has no soul attached to it anymore. That's what happens in Super Mario Odyssey. So all those freaking Goombas that you possess and walk away from, those Koopa Troopas, those weird little snail creatures, like literally everything. It just, those frogs, those adorable frogs, they <laughs> cease to be because you have killed them. No, Cappy has killed them. This is heavy. There's even a glitch. Mario I was there's a glitch. For this. There's a glitch. Nintendo gave us the answer. There's a glitch where you can oh, glitch fuck. out the game if you're playing in two player, where Mar one person plays as Mario and the other plays as Cappy, which is a giant hint that like Mario and Cappy are like uber connected. Um, but you can use Cappy to kill Mario, and only Cappy will remain. You possess Wait, a what? piranha plant, correct? You, you possess a you you put a rock in a piranha pants piranha plant. <laughs> piranha, Pira piranha you put pants. a rock in a piranha pant. You put a rock in a piranha plant's mouth. Then you possess the piranha plant. Then you have the second player who's controlling Cappy come off the piranha plant and kill the piranha plant with Mario still inside. So Cappy could feasibly kill the creature that Mar that he is possessing with the Mario spirit um, and send Mario's soul rocketing away into the ether and remain a single entity that is Cappy. Wait, well, so that'll do it for you this play week's hands-on impressions, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait for Nintendo's tell-all. My roommate works at Nintendo and she's very annoyed with me. <laughs> I'm sure she is. She's very, she's very annoyed with me. Very annoyed with me. I mean, whoa. I don't, like I, I, I'm speechless. I, I th this is why we missed you. We missed <laughs> these crazy fan theories. Um, I think I'm gonna go back to what I said earlier. I think you're overthinking it. No, just a little bit. No, it's true. Um, it's but true. I like your theory, and I look forward to now keeping this in our mind. Right when as I we turn play. Mario on, I will be thinking about how it's all just a dream it is just a dream and that cappy is is only cappy life is but a dream we're all in a weird dream it's like what we're dreams become except it's a hat except we're it's all a dead hat. hats we're oh all just dead God. hats <laughs> ah i need so, a drink um yes a steimer <laughs> yeah <laughs> let's transition to another cartoon that we've been okay. playing or that you've been playing more specifically, um, you have more to say about South Park, the Fractured But Whole. Yeah. I, I thought so, we'd put a pin in that conversation, but you were like, excuse me, I have more to say. Well, it's more that as I've gotten more time with it, because I played it a lot more, I'm starting to realize I think I'm giving it a bit of a pass because it's South Park. And so I don't... We, we talked about this with, in relationship to Zelda quite a few weeks ago. But now you think you're giving it a pass, meaning like you're allowing it to make mistakes and and do some things that you wouldn't have allowed another game to do. Is that what you're saying? I just think it's kind of boring. <clears throat> okay. Like as I'm going through it, I'm like, 
am I enjoying this or am I telling myself that I should be enjoying this? And therefore, like, it was just like a weird state of mind where I was like, I feel like I'm literally just playing this game and I'm in like stasis. Like, it's well, just happening. I'm just doing it. Like, there's I'm not really like yeah, but every now and then I'll smile. But I really don't know what the fuck's going on. Like, the game is just so so everyday life. <laughs> yeah, right. This is how I wander through life. Just glazed over look in my eyes. Um, but no, it's just been weird to me because I'm like, it's not. It's it. I was hoping for more for anything, like some sort of moments or like clever things that they've done. Like, I really missed and granted, I haven't finished, but I'm, I feel like I'm fairly close. I looked at like a missions list. I missed the moments of like going to Canada and like, yeah. oh, my God, the map is and everything has changed or just like fun story elements. I remember I just with the first South Park, I remember it more. I think I will forget this game very quickly. That was kind of the same thing I said when I talked about it. Is that just last week? I don't remember. Um, I enjoyed the fractured butthole, but um, <laughs> I felt like the first South Park, uh, the stick of truth got all of like those crazy like, oh, my God, like like moments like Canada, 8-bit Canada. Like that was brilliant, you know, and yeah. Um, when you play when I play a South Park game, I expect to be like, holy crap, they went there, you know, and I feel like there were a couple moments in uh, the fractured butthole that I was like, holy crap, that's out of left field. But that's South Park. So it makes sense. I enjoyed it more for the um, I was looking forward to see like what the characters were going to do next, because I was always expecting like the next thing to happen. That just was so, so like random. I don't know how far you are, so I don't want to like mention specifics. I'm but. I'm at the point where you s- well. I'm like, oh, but spoilers. <laughs> oh, well, yeah. <laughs> I don't care. I'm going to say it. So if you like, plug your ears for half a second, where you switch teams. Make it give her all a hint. Where you switched what, Sammy? Where you switch teams. Oh. Yeah. Oh, what you're talking about. And so, like, I, and I'm, I've gone on a little bit of that. I think the problem is, like, it's just been getting super repetitive of, like, walk to this area. You're going to have a battle. It's going to be fine. And then you're going to leave and you're like, you're just going to do the same thing over and over and over again. And not really. I don't know. I think I'm just like, I honestly put it down the other day and I was like, I might not pick this back up again. Like I might just move on to other things. I think that's fair. I mean, you have your, your several uh, antagonists throughout the game that are all repetitive. You have the, um, God, what are the girls? What are they called? Not the Hooters, but the the, uh, the raisins girls. You have the raisins, you have the homeless people. You have the sixth graders, the sixth graders. Right. And as you're and you, there's there's fast travel, but you have to get to a beacon in order to fast travel. So you have to be walking throughout the town. And I feel like after a couple passes through the town, I kind of saw all I needed to see and I explored everything as much as I could. And it's like, OK, I don't really need to be walking past this again. Nothing mm-hmm. new is exciting. New, nothing exciting. Nothing new exciting is happening. There we go. Words. Uh, and I feel like that would have been much alleviated if they would have included fast travel whenever you wanted it. So I, I understand what you're saying. I think the story does get a little more interesting, like as it goes on. So I would encourage you to like does not it? give it up just yet. But okay. um, you know, it's not probably something you need to like. I need to play this and finish it. Something like if you're feeling the itch, pick it up. Sounds like a Vagisil commercial. In your, yeah, that was great. <laughs> you're feeling the itch. Pick it up. <laughs> okay. The fractured bubble. Wait, We're just gonna yeah, move that's a, right that's beyond to say that, that joke. I, oh, dirty joke. But, Hey. It was in context with South Park. Steimer, I'm with you. Yeah. I did not play very much of the fractured butthole because I did not enjoy my time with the Stick of Truth. Not because it was a bad game, but just because it wasn't for me. I, first off, just don't like turn-based 
games very much at all. Um, and I, while I enjoy like the kind of cutting parody that, um, and satire that South Park is known for, I just, I felt like it went to a couple places where I was like, you know what? Like, I don't need to play a game where like farting is a power and like pooping is a mechanic. I'm like, I'm, I'm really good. I'm okay with it. So, um, I, when a friend of mine recently and a, a guy who's been working in the games industry a very long time, a very accomplished Mr. Andrew Reiner over at Game Informer tweeted a list of games, 10 games you should play in 2017. South Park was on that list. And I, I kind of came out of him and was like, really? Of all of the amazing games that came out in 2017, you're going to put South Park on that list? And I said, and, he, and the thing I, I got mad at him for is because he didn't put What Remains of Edith Finch on that list. And I said, how are you putting South Park on that list and not What Remains of Edith Finch? And that, of course, spurred a whole other conversation of debate, which we don't need to get into in this moment because the show is already incredibly long. But I'm with you. I think yeah, it's well, it's more you, you just don't like South Park, whereas I do like South Park. And I, I just think the first game was so much stronger. And I just think this this is not a bad game. I do think it's much more mediocre than the first well, one. They didn't change a lot between the first and the second. The combat's different. Um, but the story like just isn't. It's a little it it's a little like hodgepodge like it, it yeah. switches gears very quickly. The pacing is a little bit uneven. Um, and then you get to the end and the end is a sprint to the finish. <laughs> yeah. It's, oh, it's, okay. it's, it's uneven. It's definitely uneven. Yeah. So noted for everyone who's playing South Park or thinking of playing South Park. Um, so I've been playing a couple of different things. Have you guys watched my recap this week? You probably heard that I played like three or four different games this weekend, but one of the games that I have been really looking forward to, excuse me, getting back into is obviously a game that I've talked a lot about on the show, uh, Horizon Zero Dawn. The Frozen Wilds DLC pack was released, and I am absolutely loving and remembering why I fell in love with this game and, and the gameplay of this game. And I recently upgraded to a 4K television, and I had the PS4 Pro going, HDR mode engaged, and I was floored. Jaw dropped, drool dripping down <laughs> about Puddling. how, and I'll show you ladies afterwards, after we're done recording the show, how gorgeous this looks on a PS4 Pro running on, like, favoring graphics over over gameplay <laughs> and just like going like full bore all the graphics all the time. And it looks, it looks incredible. And it's not just cutscenes; It's like every dialogue scene you have stopping and taking and taking photos. One of the things that I really loved about the game when I played it the first time was how I constantly was stopping to take photos in photo mode, but none of the shots that I could try to arrange looked as good as just looking at the world. And so a lot of times I would stop and go into photo mode and like spend a few minutes lining something up and I'd be like, no, nah, this isn't doing it justice. And then I would just back out and not even take a photo. I took a couple different screenshots, but um, the game looks amazing with the new update. And um, what I really love, uh, what I loved about the original campaign was that it felt like the side quests had meaning. It felt like these characters that you met 
Ha- were more than just a passing fetch quest or a follow quest or a, a go kill this thing and bring me the thing and come back and then it's done. Like these people have names, they have backstories, they feel like they're like a, a part of this rich world that that has been built. And um, I really love, you know, this taking it, taking the Banuke and really kind of exploring them as a tribe in the game and what their ritualistic things are and, and how they kind of fit into this overall universe. It kind of threw me for a loop that it's set like pre the last mission, but in order for it to make sense in the universe, like they had to do it before you go into the final battle, which, you know, makes sense now that I'm in it. But really been having a great time uh, with the new machines, which are just brutally hard to fight. Uh, Really kind of putting all of the skills that I learned previously to the test but so far loving it and reminding myself why I love this game so much. Do you keep your level? Yes. Okay. So I was maxed out. I was level 50 uh, when I stopped because I platinum the game. But now they've moved the platinum because they've added all of these trophies. Um, and so there's a whole bunch of new trophies to go get with the expansion. Um, I don't think I'm going to go get all of them. Maybe if I have time. There's just too much to play right now. Maybe someday, but um, so far, really, really having a great time. It was like the first game that was able to truly tear me away from uh, Assassin's Creed Origins, um, but I still want to finish. I still want to finish <laughs> that game. Um, but am I the only one who's who's tried the Frozen Wilds? Not I. I still haven't played more than maybe. Yeah, I haven't gotten hours a chance yet. I know, and it's really crappy Brittany. because I say nothing. <laughs> no, here's Wait, the thing. What have you? How much have you played? Have you not played any of it? Alexa Ray, <gasps> you two are in trouble. Thanksgiving is coming up. I'm just gonna play it all weekend. So put it on easy mode, please, for the love of God. Experience what I'm talking about. I, I, okay, I've been like, like, like having fever. I will play Final Fantasy for you. I'll do it. Okay. So I watched Jason <laughs> put like forty. Not, not how long is the game? Um, I mean, if you just mainline the story mm-hmm. and you do like, if you don't do, I highly recommend doing all of the side quests, mm-hmm. but if you don't do them all, you could probably do it in about 30 to 40 hours. Okay. So just 30 to 40 hours. Just 30 to 40. So For an open just, world action RPG, that's pretty light. So right? 40 hours, that seems about right. So I, he had been playing for 40 hours. It. He was co- sort of near the end and I didn't know this, but he had been playing under my PSN. No. And oh. I started up my new game and completely erased all of his progress. <gasps> it was not good. He was very unhappy because I had been watching him Grounds play it. for divorce. Oh, bad. <laughs> it's okay. We weren't married at the time. Um, <laughs> Whoa. And hearing you rave about it and Steimer rave about it, I jumped into it. And like I said, 10, 15 hours. It really, I loved it. Like the characters, the interactions, the acting. Like, like you said, everyone felt like they had a place, a purpose. But I can't get i can't get into the world because of the the the, the um the dino what are they called the robots the machines the machines Dinos. thank you I'm like the robots that's the, what i call them the the machines all of the tundra like the the trees and that kind of stuff maybe what that what do you changes? have against the tundra and the trees <laughs> what are the trees the tree hater the, uh, i'm not i love trees pretty brombacher tree, tree hater but I, it's just not you, you live in washington like, there are trees everywhere <laughs> i know that's why i'm hardly ever home uh, but i just couldn't get into it like i don't feel captivated to go back i think if i just stick to the mainline story and all the exciting stuff happens because this is typically the problem i have in sandbox games is i just lose interest because i get so sidetracked with everything and then the nora lands where you start the game are 
probably the one of the least interesting areas of the game. That's good to know. There are several different types of like ecospheres, terrains that you go through. Um, it, it reminded me a lot of when I when I played Dragon Age Inquisitions, and you would go to this new world, and like the 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 eco and the biology of the landscape would change. Right, mm-hmm. you'd either be like in forests, like the hinterlands was like very much like woodlands. Yeah. right? and then you would you know you got out of there, then there was like a snow world, and then the desert world and all these other places and it really kind of broadens the scope of mm. of what the geography looks like and that certainly does happen in in horizon as well um so you'll get to experience different places and each of these different places of course has different tribes in them and the different tribes have different characteristics they have different sets of armor different types of weapons and then of course there's different types of machines there's di- there's like a couple of basic categories of machines like the the grazers or like the mounts and then there's like you know the groups above that but like the really interesting part to me is how each area kind of has like a like an alpha predator machine Mm. like the big bad machine and what that that big machine looks like and i remember the first time i came across a thunder jaw which is one of the biggest machines if not the well the new machine is probably the biggest but um in like you feel so powerless and so small when you get up to this giant machine that you're supposed to fight. And I remember it being so scary the first time that I just like ran away. I was just like, (laughs) no, no. Just like turned around and was like, I'm going to go find some side quests or something to do. (laughs) Well, that's Um, good to know. As long as it's not all woods. No, no, no. No. You've got a problem with the woods. I do have an issue with the woods. (laughs) Which is is weird because like (laughs) Zelda is all woods. I wouldn't yeah. say. It's, I mean, it obviously they've forced. got like you know, like the Gorons, and you've got you know the. Well, I haven't played Zelda in a couple months either, so I mean that Champion DLC is coming. You gotta get ready. I gotta get excited first, uh-huh. <laughs> or don't um, go back to Zelda. It's okay to just say I'm done with Zelda for a while or no, forever. I don't feel like I'm I'm done. I just need a more break time. Um, well, that's good to know because that's been kind of one of my things. I'm like, I want to go back, but I don't want to see more trees. Like, I, you know, I like to escape and I see trees every day of my life where I live. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like not that exciting for me. But that's good to know that it changes. Yeah, it, it, it definitely does. And like I mentioned, the thing that to me that kept pulling me back to that game was that the, the side quests were just so excellently done because we've all played an action open world game or an RPG open world game where you just have to go on so many bullshit side quests that are just like, they feel like such a waste of time and you're doing them literally just to get the icon off the map or to check a box. And I felt like the characters, the people that you meet and they all come kind of come back for a circle. It felt very mass effect in that way where it's like you go to do these side quests because they will kind of come back in the end and have a meaningful part to play and I don't think enough games do that. I think a lot of these open world games, you know, kind of have these people as throwaway, and that's really unfortunate. Like Zelda. Yes. We haven't talked about Zelda in a while, Alexa Ray. Yeah, I know, but like you're like the Zelda champ here, and to hear you like I'm, knocking it down is so It's confusing. not that I'm knocking it down. I think um, we don't have to go down this too much, but Breath of the Wild is a great game. I'm not going to take that away from it. I'm struggling with, is it a great Zelda game? And are we saying, oh my God, it's so good because we're comparing it to prior Zelda games as opposed to games that are doing the same thing, but I think a little better. Like if you took, well, yeah, I think if you took like the Zelda skin away from it, it, people would be looking at it very differently. Right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. 
It, it'll be a discussion. It'll be a good game of the year discussion. We'll it have. will. And we'll, and we'll get into it. We will. I certainly got into it in the comments with some people <laughs> this week about, about Horizon versus Zelda. And a lot of it is personal preference, mm-hmm. of course. Of course. But like, we will get into the nitty gritty details. We're not going to do that here because it'll, detra- no. it'll detract what we're talking I about. Know. But I, I will say, if you guys have played Horizon and you enjoyed it, um, the Frozen Wilds is excellent. If you're a PlayStation Plus member, which... I hope you would be, um, if you're playing online, uh, you can get it for $14.99. It's a nice price point. It's not too expensive. And it gives you a lot of extra gameplay. And again, if you are like me and you have a 4K TV, sweet baby Jesus, turn the HDR on. It is so good. Oh. It's so good. I I have never seen animation like this. And I know that PC gamers out there are being like, well, you know, we've had blah, 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 blah. You're right. But like... Never on console have I seen anything like this. And I've been playing a lot of Xbox One X stuff. And I haven't seen anything like it yet. And Assassin's Creed Origins looks beautiful on Xbox One X. I I continue to maintain that. But this, by far, hands down, is the most beautiful game graphically I've ever seen in my life. Really? Yes. I will show it to you. I've been playing AC on Xbox One X on the 4K TVs. And I'm like... Oh my blown God. away it looks oh, beautiful yeah. the blades of grass oh like man fucking like sand moving I'm around staring at everything it's i'm staring so at every good. inanimate object uh, ever speaking of ac origins yes y'all climb a pyramid yet yeah i have not i have did you make it to the top yes i fell off and died <laughs> <laughs> i didn't think that's where that was going uh, but I'm yeah. glad that's where it went yeah, I was hoping someone else had fallen off and died, but no, I guess that's I, not I what happened. I did that just fine, but I did it in a demo. Like at an I, event. Sli- I haven't done it in the game yet. I missed a I missed a handhold and I slid all the way down the pyramid and I guess the game took pity on me and desynced me like 10 feet from the bottom. <laughs> and I was like, okay, because I was right on top. Anyway, that happens. That's an AC. That's a. That, it's almost like a trope for AC games that you, that you climb a very high thing and then you hit the wrong button and you fall very uh, dramatically to your death. I fell very, very. Yeah, it was. I was really sad. I didn't think you could die going down this. I thought you just slid down. I think. I think what was happening is because because the game registered it as a fall. Because there were no handholds. And I think I was falling for so long because I was so I was so near so the top. High. The game was like, uh, all right, all right, all right. You're just whatever. Like, right, then, you're like, going to die me. when you hit the bottom anyway. Yeah, just... desynced me and brought me back. But uh, despite that, I, uh, I made that attempt four times. Uh, I still have not got to the top of the pyramid. <laughs> oh, my God. I'll get there. It. I want to be at the top of the pyramid. It's. I will say the get first your time, shit together. Yeah, the first time I cl- my bayak is like drunk all the time. Like I can't, <laughs> I can't, I can't get it. The first time I climbed a a, a pyramid, I it took me a, a minute to like figure out where the handholds were graphically because like you look because they've done such a great job where in in so much of the game you don't have to really look for handholds anymore when you're climbing building structures and rocks and things like that mm-hmm. like in previous ac games you really had to kind of look and i like that there was kind of a puzzle element to a lot of the climbing and that doesn't really exist right now um i haven't there's a couple of tombs where i've heard that it kind of comes back into play but i haven't gotten to any of those yet um and so they've really kind of honed it where you just kind of have to hold down the button and then just kind of look where you want to go very um almost uncharted style of climbing mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um but i'm sorry that you died me too i died a lot Rip but i love that game 
I love that game I, so much. Uh, I, I can't even tell. I mean, I've already talked about how much I love that game. It's yeah. my favorite. <laughs> even you, when your I get list here of games that you've been playing is very long. And we I haven't know. talked about, maybe we should talk about Star Wars Battlefront 2. Okay. So I played it. You played it. Steimer played it. Yep. I only played the first few chapters of the campaign. I didn't even bother jumping into multiplayer. I was like, I'm going to save this for later. Um, mostly because I've done Battlefront multiplayer before and it's just really like not for me. Um, but so far I've been playing the campaign and I've been enjoying it. I don't like how there is so much space flying. There's so really? much space combat. There's a combat. lot. Yeah, there's a lot of... Like and I know space. some people are going to absolutely love that because it's such a it's such a popular mechanic and there's obviously like whole genres of like space combat games mm-hmm. and things like that but I get I just I just don't like it I get dizzy I don't know where to go I got barfy yeah it made me barfy I was like and that's not like a symptom of the game it's a symptom of me being one of those people that just gets really barfy really easily <laughs> i get barfy but it made me sad because i really wanted to like it seemed really cool and i really like it reminded me of like x-wing versus tie fighter and i like the That's star what, final, i used to the, grow up playing yeah. x-wing versus tie fighter and i was um, i was texting andrea and i was like oh my god i just crashed my stupid tie fighter like four times yep. into debris why are we flying through this fucking debris field anyway this is bullshit the mode is called the multiplayer mode i think it's I think it's Starfighter, Starfighter Assault. That is like the dog, like the TIE Fighter dogfighting one. You know, I might be mixing them up, but that one, it's nice. I can only, but I can only play for five minutes or I have to like pound half a can of Dramamine and hope for the best. You know, oh my it's gosh, interesting no. you say this because there's one flying mission in uh, World Call of Duty World War II. And after that, I started getting like hot and sweaty and I started feeling kind of dizzy. And I'm like, am I just getting old? But it makes me feel better that everyone else is. Well, I also have head trauma, so. Well, <laughs> I sure. wasn't sick I've had from my issues too. to be clear. What, I was laughing? just bad at it. <laughs> I'm, I'm laughing because Britt was like, oh, we're having a moment. And Alexa's like, yeah, but I have reasons. And Britt was like, oh. <laughs> I'm uh, a broken human being in a garbage body, Brittany Brabacher. You're not. You're perfect the way you are, Alexa. No. But no, I was like, no. for the first time, I actually got motion sickness from gaming. That was in VR. I was like, oh, this is not a good sign. This is not bode well for my future. I'm getting old. I have. I get very sick from VR. Mm-hmm. And I have at home. I've played the first like two hours of Monster of the Deep Final Fantasy 15, which I will talk about next week. Um, and I am like waiting for the thing. It hasn't happened yet, but I'm waiting for the thing, yes. the fish, the campfire, the thing that triggers my barf. And I'm just like, oh, please don't do it. Final Fantasy 15. Don't do it. Don't make me barf. But anyway, Battlefront 2. Yes, barf. Um, what do you think so far of the story, Steimer? Have you been enjoying it? Have you been enjoying playing as the multiple heroes in the game? You know what I'm enjoying? The fact that it's short. Oh, there <laughs> she goes. <laughs> so have you ever seen me doing this? This is me wait, sprinkling hold salt. Hold up the pillow. <laughs> oh, yeah, that too. Oh, wait, wrong way. Um, you've... <laughs> I'm gonna lose my mic. Go Unexpected, ahead. but maybe you never know. I have I have a few problems with with some of the things in the single player, but there's one thing that really really irks me, and I don't know if you Kotaku wrote a story about it. Um, have you seen Han Solo's beard? Yes. I've only seen the back. I of his just head. got to that part. I don't like it. What's wrong with his beard? It's bad. Like, is it like Eh. textured weird? It's just a weird beard. He's never had a beard. The beard doesn't belong on his face. Mm -hmm. 
It is a little weird that they gave him a beard with that rhymes. It makes me feel like I'm like out of time and space. Like I've entered this weird negaverse where Han Solo has a beard. I don't like it. He's space hobo now. (laughs) Han hobo. hobo. I, I thought it was interesting how they don't like they did all of this marketing where they're like, you know, adversity new female character we got this girl she came on stage at e3 and phrasing my bad um and you know like here's the thing (laughs) i thank you alexa (laughs) i was very disappointed to see that she was actually a fraction of that game's campaign and i'm not going to spoil all of the different characters that you get to play as all the playable characters in the campaign but there's a lot of them. There's more than I can count on a single hand. Really? And, and that was surprising to me <laughs> that there was just so many different things happening. Steimer, yes. But I like that because... You like it. I, I like that, number one, it, it's it's brief because I don't have time for like a 12-hour campaign. I and also, I don't think that they could write a story that would compel me to play for 12 hours. But there's... Um, they had a decent variety, which is what I'm enjoying. Like they're mixing it up. You're not just constantly like running through a level and shooting bros. Um, like sometimes you have powers and you kill bros that way. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes it's not a gun basically. Um, and so I'm just, I'm enjoying the variety and I'm enjoying the pacing of it. And for the, like there was definitely moments in the beginning where I was like, well, what the fuck's going on? Cause I'm not a super star Wars person. I'm just like, a star wars light person star and it wars got like person? real weird for a minute and i was like what's happening what's going on uh but now i'm like i'm feeling comfortable i think i know what's happening <laughs> and for the most part i'm just like you know what this is just like a fun thing to run through and that's fine that being said if you're someone who's wondering like should i buy it for the campaign and not, not the multiplayer probably not because i think it's only gonna be like four or five hours tops mm-hmm. But what if and you're someone a- who buys Call of Duty for the campaign, like me? Then Call whoa, of, Call of who Duty? are you? No, no, I'm the same. I, I hate I, trees. I, I love I Call of Duty single player. <gasps> <laughs> Call of Duty campaign has consistently delivered year after year after year. It really has. Now, some may argue that it's become a little formulaic. That may be so, but I've never not had fun playing a Call of Duty single-player campaign. They have some sections that are on rails. You're probably going to drive a tank at least once. You're going to go through a level with your squad mates. They do have these kind of like archetype scenarios that that do recur. And I think what was really kind of striking to me about World War II in particular is not only the amazing artistic work that was done by Sledgehammer and their support teams on this, but how they really gave it like a gravitas. And, you know, we talked about this at length mm-hmm. last week. Mm-hmm. So if you guys missed that conversation, you know, we, we go into a little bit more in depth there, but um, I really hope to God that call of duty and Activision never stop making single player campaigns. Cause I think that they, have set a really high bar for what a narrative FPS campaign can be. I mean, obviously, Machine Games and Wolfenstein 2 have probably, you know, surpassed that. Oh, my but God. But, I mean, when you talk about, like, a, a, a modern shooter, uh, a franchise that has stood the test of time and that also continues to set these crazy records and continues to sell, 
you know, so many copies every year and has like such a great rotating stable of developers. I think it's impressive that they continue to to make these experiences that aren't broken, that aren't bad. Are they perfect? Are they the best? No, I think I think we can openly and honestly say that. But they're great. They're fun to play. Mm-hmm. Uh, you mentioned Wolfenstein. I did. That might be my favorite game narrative this year so far that I've played. Wow, really? I can't wait to play it. That story messed me up a little bit. Like I got a little emotional. It's it's twisted in some parts. It's it's twisted and like yeah, like shooty shooty bang bang. mm, But like without spoiling anything, if you haven't played Wolfenstein two yet, you need to. They did an like an amazing job with that story, and not just that. It's like semi-relevant-ish to what is happening in America right now, but the way that they sort of set up BJ and the things that happened to happen to him and just the, the supporting cast of characters, and they all feel really real. Everyone feels like a real, complete person. Mm. And the story is like a little cuckoo bananas, but the the heart behind it is just excellent. So good. It's so good. Britt, you haven't played it all yet. Not yet. Oh, man. <laughs> I think it'll probably take, it'll probably take the place of World War II. Ooh. It's like the number one FPS narrative of the year for sure. It's okay. really, it's masterful. Like, really, I'm really excited I, to play it. It surprised me. It completely surprised me. Did you play the the first one? I didn't, but I watched again. Jason was playing it. So I would like sit down and watch him play a little bit from time to time. And he loved it and he raves about it. And he tells me, like, at least once a week, you got to play Wolfenstein. He's like, put Assassin's Creed down for a little bit because that's going to take you a very long time. And I'm like, I can't. It's so pretty. I know it's hard. I, it's hard. I, I'm still <laughs> level 30 in Assassin's Creed. And I need to like, I just need to finish the campaign. Yeah. But like Wolfenstein is, oh, it's so good. It was such a surprise too. Why like, were you surprised? Did you not play the first one either? No, no, no. I did. And I loved it. And I thought the story, the story was great. I actually mentioned it. I did a panel uh, at PAX a couple years ago with Stephanie Bayer, who now works at Blizzard. And we did a panel about, um, the representation of like mature adult relationships and romance in video games and how like so many games get it wrong. But here are some examples of like a really thoughtful portrayal. And like the new Wolfenstein had like two adults that were like, the world's going to shit. We're going to go bang in the closet and whatever. Like, and it was just like my kind of romance. Yeah. And they would like, (laughs) and they would like talk about their relationship and like talk about things. And it was just like, these are two people that are very clearly like, like consenting adults and the world's going to shit. We're going to fuck it out. Like Mm -hmm. I, and and we mentioned it, and just the rest of the story was really really great. So I was. How long is the campaign? Not long. No, I mean it's not short. It's not short, but it's I not mean, long. It's, it's depending on how much exploration you do and what difficulty you played on. I'd say probably ten to fifteen hours. Okay. I was expecting like like a good story, uh, but with a lot of focus on the gameplay and the shooting and the stuff, because for games like this, it's, you know, if you're going to be a shooter, you got to innovate or you die. You have to have that hook. You have to have that thing that... Or you just have to have polish, polish, polish. Or polish, 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 polish. And Wolfenstein had polish, but the story was like really deep and like doubly thoughtful from the first one. And I was just like, Oh, because in in all of the preview events where I played it and all the footage I watch, it's like emphasis on like, use these weird gadgets and do this thing. And here's a character you meet in a cutscene that's cuckoo. They don't want to give away the story. I I, I do. And I was expecting like, oh, this is really nice flavor. And oh, like, haha, they're banging in a submarine. That's funny. But then I play the game and I was just like, I was just like, wow. Yep. Wow, wow, wow. It's very good. I'm very... Very surprised. Before Very we pleasantly surprised. Wrap up this hands-on discussion. We definitely to, need to move to yes. the spoiler this will cast. Take a minute tops. 
We Ready have some new viewers and watchers to our show. And I'm in welcome. the comments all the time. Hello, welcome. A lot of them, and I just need to clarify, I think we're Zelda haters. What? Now, Why? How is that possible with you? Because no. this is Zelda. Well, because I'm critical of it. And I think what people don't understand is we're being, you can critique the things you love and that's okay. And I'm just saying this because I know we're going to get a bunch of comments because of our previous discussion, because it's a little bit out of context because you new listeners who we are very grateful for your eyeballs and your holes haven't listened to a prior um, episodes of our podcast. So just putting that out there. I love Zelda. I've been playing Zelda for a very long time. She has the master sword and the shield mounted in her living room. I've seen it with my own eyes. Right. So I just want to clarify that we're, because you haven't been on the show, Alexa Ray, in a little bit. So a lot of people think we're Nintendo bashers as oh well. Oh my God, no, dude. We are not. FYI. I, I would be curious if you are a Zelda fan, let me know what you think about the open world. And I meant to ask this earlier during the actual discussion. And let me know if you think it's an actual, like, super well done open world or is it just a super well done open world compared to prior Zelda games compare the open world to that of horizons or assassin's creed origins and like let me know what you think just ask yourself that question that's all I'm asking that is all all right well on that we're note, still touching I know I love you <laughs> I'm certainly more to talk about but we will pick up these discussions next week in the hands-on when we've had some more time to play some additional games but as promised we've been delaying but it's gonna be worth it we're going to talk about all things Life is Strange Before the Storm, <laughs> episode three. Just kidding, episode two. <laughs> Close enough. Um, <laughs> after the break, grab a drink, tea, coffee, soda, beer, whatever you want. We'll be right back. <laughs> everybody it is time for segment three of the what's good games podcast you've been asking and we've been waiting and now it's time to talk about all things life is strange before the storm episode two awake i believe is the name awake of the episode awake here's the thing if you missed the first life is strange spoiler cast pause this episode uh not yet don't pause it yet keep <laughs> listening first go back to the episode where we talk about the first spoiler cast Listen to that, then come back and listen to this. If you have not yet played Life is Strange before the storm, we are going to talk about everything here. It's going to be a gigantic spoiler. If you're in for that, like me, if you just do not give an F about spoilers, cool. No Fs. But just so you're warned, this is a fair, long warning. There will be lots of spoilers talked about. We'll be talking about what happened in the first Life is Strange. We're going to be talking about what happened in both these episodes. We're going to speculate about what's going to happen in episode three. There is nothing off limits. You have been officially warned. Dun, dun, dun. All right. Okay. Here we go. On that note. So um, I'm glad that I played this episode 
recent. Yes. Fresh. Yes. Fresh in my mind. So when we left off with episode one, um, Chloe, our angsty teen, had um, become new BFF with Rachel Amber. She uh, was at a rock concert at a abandoned mill and Rachel came in and they danced together and, and then they played hooky and went on a train ride when they were supposed to be at school and they got drunk together and, you know, they kind of had some feelings for each other. Kind of. And, they caught um, feelings. And then Rachel caught her dad making out with some woman and was like I'm mad about this and then she lit a photograph on fire dumped it in a trash can tipped the trash can over like a very irresponsible person (laughs) don't do that and then screamed some kind of magical supernatural scream and the fire spread everywhere all those trees burned down aren't you happy I'm so happy no that's terrible (laughs) forest fires IRL forest fires are not funny and they're not good Brittany hates trees if you listen to the previous segment which is what that was yeah, yes. that was absolutely arson yeah. so here's the thing so we left off it was a little bit of a cliffhanger um nothing too serious but like clearly like there was some kind of major fire so it picks up and like this forest fire is like raging and the girls are like that was us lol um which is bad and um chloe is having problems because it's discovered that she obviously skipped school. She was already on kind of like her last chance with the principal, Mr. Wells, Principal Wells. and He sucks. He does suck. But yeah. don't almost all principals. Sorry if you're a principal out there. You just get the short end of the stick. It's not your fault. I'm, <laughs> told, sure. I'm sure you're not being paid off by like to the wealthy the- student's father. It's fine. It's true. <laughs> to all the principals listening. <laughs> To all the principals listening, <laughs> if you're a principal, oh my God, like I snorted. That was really funny. <laughs> so this oh, leads no, us. Timer. No, the you. <laughs> no, sorry, it's just late. It is no. late. So this um, leads us to our first choice that you can make. Yes. Oh, yes. so you got the choices. Pulled I got up. the choices. Pulled okay. Up. So we're in the office. We're getting reprimanded. You, you, our mom is there. Joyce is there. Amber, Amber, Rachel, Amber is there with her parents, who we've now met for the first time. And, you know, you're getting kind of, you know, verbally slapped around by the principal. And um, the first choice is, can you take, so, okay, so you're sitting down with Rachel and the principal's like, whose idea? Well, he's getting ready to reprimand Chloe, right? And Rachel's like, it's my idea. So then at that point, you have the option. Do you take the blame for Rachel or do you go along with Rachel's story and let her accept the blame? And when she's accepting the blame or like because she initially takes it from you. Yes. uh, Regardless of what you do. And then the principal is basically like, you can't be in the play. So there are two two options. There are two parts to this choice. Um, You can initially choose to go along with Rachel's um, with Rachel taking the blame or you can take it for yourself. And then at the end of this little exchange you have. Um, you have one final choice to agree to let Rachel take the blame or go, you know what? Fuck it. It wasn't her idea. It was my idea and flip it all back. And obviously if you flip flop, it turns looks, into a back talk. Yeah. Thing. It turns into a back talk thing and it's this big thing. Um, I initially went along with her and then at the last second I felt really bad and I was like, no, nope, can't do it. Andrea. Can't do it. Same. Same with me, Alexa. I, I took the blame. I let Rachel take the blame. Um, so 78% took the blame for Rachel. 22% went along with Rachel's story. So what I was expecting was Rachel to be like, 
I had nothing to do with this. Chloe forced me to leave. And that, she was putting on her best She's actress. British yes, now. Right? She's British. Uh, is that even British? I don't know what that is. I don't know. You're so doing I, a weird accent. I do that a lot. So I wasn't sure, like, who 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 is Rachel? Is she going to put the blame all on Chloe? But then when she took the blame for Chloe, I'm like, okay, Rachel knows what she's doing. She's, like, a very intelligent person. If this is the route she wants to go, this is the route I will go with. And that's why I decided to go along with her story. But that I'm curious how that changed the later section because you do go to the play. You do go to the play. Um, so then there's a scene with Victoria Chase because uh, Rachel Amber does get kicked off of the play and Victoria Chase is offered Rachel's role. And the way my sequence played out was that Rachel had to come back to the backstage of the play, I think to clear out her locker, do something for Victoria. Um, and Rachel and Chloe go back there. And we're all congratulating, um, God, what's her name? I just spaced. Victoria. Victoria on like, Victoria. hey, you know, this sucks for us, but we're really happy for you. Like, well, that's a choice. That's like, a choice. And this is the way I played it out is I congratulated her. I was like, hey, good for you. you you're doing good. This sucks for us. But you know what? Because you walk in and she's really nervous and you hear her talking to herself. And so you can be a, a bitch and be like, ha you suck. Or you can be like, hey, I'm going to encourage you. So I encouraged her. And while Chloe was encouraging her, Rachel went to her makeup mirror grabbed her tea, slipped some pills in there and offers it to Victoria and is like, hey, you have some tea. You need this for your voice. Victoria drinks it. Victoria passes out. Rachel gets the lead anyway. Yeah, well, th- that was. So, oh, that, so they flip it then. Yeah, there was a choice you, there. There too. were choices yeah, there. Yeah, you, you had the option to as Chloe tell Victoria, oh, you're going to do a bad job, like convince her to not go on stage. And if. Victoria you can you can succeed and make Victoria decide I can't do this I'm not going on stage and then Rachel will go on without poisoning her tea if you fail in any way to to persuade Victoria to not go on stage Rachel poisons your tea her poisons her tea yeah but then if you took the blame in the principal's office like Alexa and I did um when you go there it's Victoria trying to poison Rachel is it Yes. Oh, interesting. Oh, I never. And so whoa. you can. It didn't. It didn't occur to me that you guys were talking about Rachel poisoning Victoria, because I was in the scenario with Steimer where Victoria was trying to poison Rachel's tea, and I saved Rachel from that. Oh yeah, it's flipped. Yeah. Fit. Yeah. Interesting. It's very moving on. Ooh. No, no, no. Here we go. So, um, on that note, seventeen percent discouraged Victoria from acting in the play. 13% encouraged Victoria before the play. 36 confronted Victoria. 34% tricked Victoria before the play. You go down that I road. tricked her. I tricked her I too. tricked her into drinking yeah. her own poisoned tea, and then she was like, she's on drugs. That's hilarious. <laughs> and it was like amazing. <laughs> I laughed so hard. Um, I just like, I just don't like Victoria as a character, but I, I thought it was interesting, you know, uh, looking at uh, the whole dynamic between Rachel and Chloe and how... They're they're still like figuring out how what their relationship is, how close they are. I mean, because they were fast friends, and obviously we talked about in the last spoiler cast how when you are that age as young women, you do become fast friends with people, and like the I don't doubt for a second that any kind of intimacy they felt, whether it was platonic or romantic, was real, and like they they had a connection, but. To get so close so quickly, um, especially getting like the parents involved, was an interesting dynamic. Now, I do love how they did the play. Mm. And I did not see 
Chloe being roped in as a character as like this element that came along with it. But I did guess immediately that once Rachel was like, oh, this girl can't make it. Can you step in? Here are your lines. I was like, damn it. I know I'm going to have to memorize. There's definitely going to be a mini yep. game where I have to remember what these lines are. How did you do? Did you did you cheat like I did, Andrea, where I just took screenshots of the... I just like took <gasps> pictures of my phone of the script. No, Steimer, you I did, did it. it too. I You're totally dirty, did that too. dirty cheater cheaters. I don't care. Cheater, cheater, cheaters. <laughs> I, I have the picture Fight still me. right here. I don't care. I have... Mm, a lot of the Tempest's bigger scenes memorized because I directed it once upon a time long ago and I studied Shakespeare. But I intentionally screwed up the lines because if you screw up the lines, you are treated to the best scene in the entire game, Ooh, which, is, which is Rachel and Chloe improvising the words. And Chloe starts to ask Rachel questions in the same Shakespearean dialogue. Like, I think I think the 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 prosper the line from Prospero is something about like and you are in my servitude and like you are my spirit and Chloe as as the spirit Ariel is like well what if I don't want to be your servant anymore what if I want to I, I want to go and Rachel is like but you are and she's and she's speaking in like a Shakespearean like language well, but she's get, making up the words but you get the improv scene even if you nail the lines you do, do you yes. yeah yeah oh never you mind. Do. I love, but I love, I love, I love, I love, I love that improv scene like so much. It was yeah. really good. Yeah, it was. But really it's slightly, well done. it's slightly different in the way it kicks off. And yes. that you say your line properly, and then Rachel starts going off, and Chloe's like, "Oh crap, this is not in the script." Yeah, yeah and then the way Chloe's that, like, oh god, what? The way that I did it is like I was screwing up and then the director backstage and Nathan were like those aren't the lines she's screwing up and they're all backstage like getting really 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 angry and then finally Rachel starts that whole speech and like the director melts into this puddle of like she's a genius yeah. which is like so it's cute it is cute. it's cute it's adorable um it is adorable so after the play is over and the, the whole time I was thinking um, so we kind of we kind of skipped we over did. something, and it's important to to go back. So we completely skipped over the in, complete interaction with Chloe and Frank. So oh, yeah. um, Frank had messaged Chloe and was like, "Hey, I need your help with something. I need to collect." Drew comes back into play. This is the bully that she had confronted in the previous episode. Mikey's older brother, Mikey, of course, one of the kids that played the D and D game with her, um, and. He Frank calls her up essentially and is like, hey, like, I need your help with this. I need to collect this from this kid. He owes me a thousand dollars. He has apparently been dealing um, oxy to the football players on, on school campus, which is like horrifying to think about like high school age kids like, you know, buying oxy like that's a nightmare. Um and so Frank is like, I need you to help me collect it because you can get into the dorms. And then Chloe's like, LOL, I got expelled. Um, which is something we also didn't talk about the dynamic with Chloe and David and Joyce and her getting expelled, even though I'm glad we jumped to the play cause it's fun. Mm -hmm. But I think, you know, we should, you know, take a step back and talk about these, these two individual scenes. So, um, one of the things let's, let's start with Chloe's interaction with, um, Joyce and David kind of in the parking lot. So she gets this really kind of devastating news, right? That, David is saying you've you've kind of fucked up for the last time. I can't believe that you would get expelled. That's it. 
I'm moving in because your mom needs some help disciplining you, essentially. It's kind of like a little bit of what the verbiage is, is implying there. And the thing that kept striking me is that I was so angry the whole time of how mean Chloe is to Joyce mm. and how Chloe, I think, forgets that Joyce lost her husband just like Chloe lost her father, right? Like they both are hurting. They both are in a, a place of grief and that they both have experienced this profound loss and that clearly Chloe's, you know, emotional adolescence and also physical adolescence are impairing her ability to see that and to see how much Joyce needs Chloe and needs to cling to somebody who's familiar and who she loves and who is steady in her life. And Chloe just keeps rejecting it. And so Joyce has clearly gone to seek this affection from somebody else and she's not getting it from Chloe. And she's gone to David and now she's trying to bring David into the fold and Chloe is pushing back. And it just like broke my heart like hearing some of Joyce's dialogue lines about in the text messages. Oh. Yeah, the text messages are brutal. Yeah. From Joyce saying, I miss you. Where are you? Please come I home. I want my daughter back. I want back. my daughter back. Just like, I was fucking dying, you guys. It was so it, sad. It was really sad. Um, and that leads us to our other choice. You have a choice at one point to start over with David. Did you decide to start over with David? I did. No. No, Summer. I don't think it was the Chloe choice, but I was like, damn it, Chloe, you're not going to fucking hurt your mom one more time. You're going to start over. Right. Summer. That's kind of what I was doing, too. Yeah, I had her in the parking lot. I played her as obediently as you could only because I just couldn't take like watching Joyce like go <laughs> so through any sad. more pain. Well, it's really the shitty. thing about the parking lot scene, like when David asks you to empty your pockets. Right. There's a possibility, depending on your choices in the previous episode, that you have weed in your pockets. I did. I had weed. And if you put your weed out, it's like this big thing. And I knew I had the weed in my pocket, so I declined to empty my pockets. I also did not empty my pockets. Okay, so 76% of people decided to start over with David. Oh, wow. Wow. And 63% emptied their pockets at his request. So I emptied my pockets and I had the weed in there and I got a text message from my mom. She's like, I don't like that he had you empty your pockets, but you did have weed in there. So there we go. And she's mm. like, I do appreciate that you're yeah. forthcoming about it, essentially is what she said. And I was like, OK, that's a good, healthy step for mother daughter relationship. It sounds like you guys are playing this as a Chloe who like is trying to start over. I'm playing her as like burn it all down. Interesting. Yeah. I can see both sides. Yeah. yeah they both, both make sense. Yeah, okay. it's um it, it's interesting and then obviously, you know, we kind of know where the dynamic with David goes. Um if you've played Life is Strange, um it doesn't go to a great place. So, um I just like she's just so angsty and so mean, especially to Joyce. Like I I get the like rejection of the new man cuz it's really pretty soon it's only been like a year to two years after her father has died and like to have like a new like father figure brought in like that seems way too fast for me um having divorced parents and having my parents have you know significant others in their lives growing up like obviously everyone's experience is different but like it's hard like trying to understand who these people are especially when you are dealing with that grief yourself 
So it's going to be interesting to see how that relationship unfolds in the next episode. But Alana skip ahead after that scene to Chloe going on this errand with Frank mm-hmm. um, to the dorms. Quick sidebar. How fucking cute is Pompadou? Oh, oh my God. My God. Frank's, Frank's whole RV. Like yes. if you take the time to explore his RV, like if you go on his, if you look in his fridge, it's all steak. Yeah. And if you look in his cabinets, it's all, it's all beans. It's all beans. <laughs> and if you look on his computer, his Google history is like, will dog eat steak? How old will dog eat steak? <laughs> it's Can so you cute. make a dog eat steak? And I'm like, oh my God. And then fucking the, Frank. there's like a, a comment thread, right? Where he's like, does anyone know? Did you read that? Yeah. There's like, it's like a forum. It's like, does anyone know if my dog will eat steak? Yeah. Like, and then this like in true yeah. internet fashion, this lady like accuses him of like abusing his dog just because the dog won't eat steak or something ridiculous. It's so like that. funny. It's like, it's very very on the nose i love it's it. like yes like yeah so good the beans thing though like beans. i like the, the like because in the in the original life is strange there's like a scene in the diner where he's eating a plate of beans those were my beans i was like this is, i just i, I was eating those beans <laughs> it's so good it's so good um frank loves beans so you go on this errand with <laughs> with frank <laughs> to go to blackwell um and you go to the campus to the dorms to try to break into drew's room to see if you can steal this money back from him and so you have this little interaction with the groundskeeper samuel again, and it's he kind of says a couple profound things and then um there's a couple other people you know that you can interact with but you eventually you know get into the dorms you find Drew's room, and then you, of course, can look around at everything in the room. Yes. There's a choice right. that you make as you're interacting with the people on the grounds. Did you tell Steph that Rachel was single? No. I told her no. she was taken. 84% Mine. said she... Oh, yeah. 84, back off, B. Yep, yep, 84% did the same thing. They're like, nope, back off. I was like, oh, nah. <laughs> Not on my watch. <laughs> I think hey. I chose the the I don't know what we are yet answer. Mm. Um, that wasn't an option. Oh, no. I'm in it to win it. What was the answer? What were the questions? You told Steph that Rachel was single was 16%. You didn't tell Steph that Rachel was single 84%. I didn't tell her that she was single. Because she's not. I don't remember. Honestly, I, that's her one choice. That's a little blurry for me. Um, yeah. So inside the room... There's also additional choices. So things, so you can obviously snoop around quite a bit in his room, go through his emails and things like that. Um, you see, he's, so there's like a, a mechanic where you have to like, you know, pick the lock to get into his trunk where obviously that's where the money is hidden. You have to figure out what the code is by putting some clues together. Um, and then, of course, like you knew what was happening. Oh, yeah. I was so clenched. You get, you get caught red-handed by Mikey, his little, his little brother. But Drew is like right behind him. And then it's like all the way awkward town. Um, and then it escalates real quick. Really quickly. Well, yeah. Drew is like, it's okay. I don't even care. Like, let's just get out of here. Yeah. And then the, I forgot his name. That dealer comes. Damon. And like, Damon, Damon. Yeah. Beats him up. So this is another big choice. Yeah. I chose well, actually read the choice options Britt. okay you gave damon the money you stayed with mikey i stayed with mikey so i gave damon the money so did i and i intervened this was my concern because if, if you i stayed with mikey 
if you search around Drew's room, you find out that he's received multiple scholarship options. And, you know, if you're going to be a professional athlete or at least go on that road, you need to have a healthy body. So when I heard Damon kicking the crap out of Drew, I'm like, crap. And you also learn that his dad is jobless and possibly homeless. But you also and that Mikey is living he, with you. You also saw that he turned down a scholarship offer. He did. He turned it down to Oregon. And I think he signed with OSU. One or the other. He So um, I was like, okay, this kid, like his dad's homeless. I'm sure like he's trying his best to like make money for the family, become like a professional and do good. Um, so when I heard Damon kicking the crap out of him, I was like, you need your body. Sorry, Mikey. I'm sure this will affect you negatively. And it did. But um, it all turned out OK in the end. So if you stay in with Mikey, I'm not sure what happens because I did not go that route. If you stay with Mikey, Damon beats the crap out of Drew and then leaves. And when you open the door, um, Drew has to go to like his leg is fucked up and he has to go to the hospital. And that girl, Steph, like... Mikey calls her and she takes him to the hospital with Mikey and he has to go into immediate surgery. Oh, shit. You're texting with Steph later that night and she's like, he's in surgery. So if you decide to break it up, you get out there, you give Damon the money. Mm -hmm. You're like, here's the money. Frank sent me. Leave him alone. Goodbye. And then the guy like threatens him or like spits some words and then he accidentally does something where Mikey gets hit and then Mikey's arm gets broken and Steph then also takes him to the hospital but like there's no like no surgery it's like uh, they put him in like a sling or a cast you or get texts and she's like you know it's gonna be fine everything's gonna be fine and then Drew yeah. texts you later and he doesn't seem too butthurt he's like I know you were just trying to help both Mikey and Steph text you like like Steph texts you like a thank you for looking out for Mikey and like oh, Mikey's so. like thank you. So it Either goes way. it goes a little bit better for I mean not really cuz Drew gets his, gets his leg broken but like it seems like the less shitty option is staying with Mikey like Drew asks you to. I don't know. I would think that having Mikey take the fall is better because Mikey isn't the one who needs the scholarship. Like having a football, <laughs> having wow. a football player get his leg broken, ice cold. It is kind of ice cold she's because tr- Drew is like a drug dealing teen, and like you should get what's coming to you. You shouldn't be dealing drugs on a high school campus. Or yeah, ever. what's wrong with you, kids? Yeah, monster. He was raising the money for his dad, right? Like I get that his yeah. his action, his like intentions were noble. But, like, that's, like, it's fucked, right? It's bad. Yeah. It's, it's all the way bad. Like, Mikey doesn't need his arm. And that's just, this See, is what Life is Strange does great <laughs> and really why Deck Nine should be commended for taking up for picking up the torch that Don't Nod started to say, like, hey, we're going to give you some really tough decisions. We're going to make some situations. They're tougher, I think. That are, I think they are, too. They're much, much tougher than the original Life is Strange. Way tougher. And say, we're going to really make you feel conflicted. I thought it was really interesting when I changed, because when you finish the game, you can change the statistics from global to friends. And a lot of the choices for me were 100% or zero. Wow. Like, I either was with all of my friends or I was against all of my friends. Dun, dun, dun. Wow. Yeah. So, um, whereas obviously the global choices are are split um, on all of the choices, but... Um, for this one like i um i think i was a little confused at first as to like what would happen if you went into the hallway because i didn't know if the damon guy like was really with frank or like if it's like a step like i was like what is happening 
So that's why I stayed in the room. Hearing what you guys said, I'm like, oh, I probably should. Like, I, knowing both sides of it, I would have gone out and, like, given Mm -hmm. him the money. Uh, But at the time, I was just so scared of fucking it up with Frank Mm. that I was motivated to stay in the room and do what Drew told me to do. Man. Mm. But then I still have the money because I didn't give it to Frank either. And I was like, what the hell? (laughs) I gave it. I gave it to Drew as he was, like, laying on the ground. I was like, I tried to take this from you. Here you go. You can have it. So cover my surgery. Um, So after, so then this brings us to the play. Mm -hmm. So after the play, there are two more major choices of the game. The first one being the twist, the one that everyone wants to talk about that. I'm sure we all made the same decision for. Oh yeah, the kiss. Did you kiss Rachel? Hell yeah. Heck yeah, yes. I did. Yeah, I'm trying to find the stats here. But everyone's I'm sure it's like Rachel. 100%. <laughs> it was like a real so so that so I I was I got a like little like when I played it I got a little packet thing from the developer that like explained stuff and I went back and I read it after I played the game and apparently in order to get the opportunity to get the opportunity to choose that kiss um it's a compilation of a lot of small uh, a lot of small choices you have made through episode one and episode two. So getting that choice is two episodes in the making and you have to like have made all of the right choices in order to have that option. So a lot of players will play Life is Strange and not even get that option. Oh, you're missing out. Dun, dun, dun. It right. is so it, that that's like a hardcore makeout smooch. It was it's pretty, like a smoochy smooch. All right. Seventy-three percent asked Rachel for a kiss. 14% asked Rachel for a tattoo and 13% asked her for her bracelet. Interesting. Oh God, there goes is that because, smooch is totally worth so, it. Would it only have the other options there? Yeah, it would just be bracelet okay. or tattoo. Oh, yeah. um, and, they, and they say, they're like, both of these also have meaningful consequences and meaningful responses, but everyone wants that damn kiss. Have you seen Rachel Amber? It's true. She's it's pretty so cute. She's cute. pretty hot. Um... After that, there comes a scene where Rachel's like, let's run away. Let's finally be gone. Let's just go, which seems like too soon. Like they just met. But it's that time of the night. Anything is is possible. The best time of the night. But in keeping with the Shakespeare theme, that's very Romeo and Juliet. It is very very Romeo and Juliet. And so they go to her house so she can get a bag to like make their escape. Right. Because they're just like, we're out. And then her parents are up and they're eating dinner. Like I thought the clock said they were eating dinner at like 1030. Dude, or I noticed that too. I was like, mm. yeah, man, who eats dinner that but late? The, Spain? Well, us, they just we're going to eat play. dinner. Yeah, yeah, yeah we are going to eat dinner like, that late we're tonight. adults. Like if you're in high school. Oh my like, God. It's almost like your parents, your parents you know, right? aren't going <laughs> to be making oh, dinner shit. for you. No, Samara, right? I noticed that too. They, she did have the play and they were at the play. So they're probably having a very late dinner. Yeah, but not yeah. a school play. You don't eat dinner at like 11 o'clock. Well, okay. If you do, you're going. I mean, you're going to like Denny's, right, or someplace like that. You're not like making chicken a la king or whatever. Like she was making, right? <laughs> yeah, she was making chicken a la king. Oh, I but love Alexa, it. Okay, as wait. the other theater okay. person here, good. What I actually liked was that they Excuse did me, sort of I'm capture that like person. feeling of elation after you're done. Like I liked yes. the moment where she's she's like going on the street, and I'm like. I totally did that when I was in high school and we just finished a play and you just felt like you're king of the fucking world and like everything was great. It was really so cute. I liked it. Um, where yeah. did you tell Rachel you would go? On a road trip? 
to New York to LA. LA. I, I said New York. Los Angeles. I said New York because I know she said she wanted to go to New York. We're pretty like Brit. You and I have chosen the same almost across the board. And here. you and me, Stymie. Yeah. <laughs> 42% said LA. 25% said New York. 33% said a road trip. Aw. She said that she wanted to go I to New know. York. That's why I picked New York. Oh. It's a fine. Every choice so, is fine. So she has. So you're having dinner. You interact with her weirdo father. God. Who doesn't understand jokes? Creepy, creepy dad. McDad. Her guy. her parents don't understand <laughs> jokes, and it's like Chloe's just like, "Hey, I'm Chloe," oh, so and they're like, "Excuse me," like they don't understand. <laughs> they don't understand any sarcasm? of her jokes. Yeah. Any of her jokes, and I'm like, "Oh, Chloe, no." And and there's no music playing. The background is just like the, the ticking clock. of the clock yep. and like the boiling of like the pot. And I'm just like, "This is awful." So you help the mother set the table, and you're sitting at the table with Rachel. And her parents, and you have the opportunity to like antagonize via dialogue and via like I guess talking about talking about like like activities and politics or whatever. You have the opportunity to antagonize Mr. Amber, and at the end of that, and 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 that the major choice for that is like go along with is like call him out immediately on like what you've seen him doing. Or turn his wife and daughter against him, and I chose the the latter, which immediately enters a backtalk. So you are like antagonizing him and trying to like say things that bait him into saying things that his wife will not agree with. And I succeeded. And at the end of the conversation, his wife was like, "How dare you talk to our guests that way? It's awful." And he like blows up and is just like, "I don't, you know, whatever." And like he's yelling, and Chloe is yelling, and the mother is yelling, mm-hmm. and they're all yelling, mm-hmm. and Rachel is sitting very, very quietly, very, very quietly, and the sounds start to dim out around her. And then she like stands up and like chews him out and is like, I saw you kissing that woman. Yeah. So did any of you do the other option? So I stayed quiet or like I was super polite, putting everything away. I made very little interaction with the dad because like, I just wanted to try and play this as smoothly as Rachel I could. Says, you can go we up just and talk have to, him. to get through dinner. She's yeah. like, we just have to get through dinner and then we're That's out. what I was that, that was my goal. Was like just get through dinner. Did you, you, so so you didn't like, confront him when you talked to him over, over the newspaper? I did not. You don't I mean, I don't think confronting is an I mean, confronting is an option. It is. But I just tried to chat with him and he was like, "I don't follow." And I'm like, "Oh, fine." Yeah. Get yeah. you later, buddy. But uh, and then at the table when we we're actually like sitting down again, I was like trying to calm Rachel down. I was trying to diffuse, like diffuse, diffuse the situation. Same, but it still it doesn't work. And like there's still that moment where everything goes quiet, and then Rachel just flips out and like breaks something. Yeah, because the dad's going on and on about some PR bullshit, and then she just says, "Oh, fucking blow me!" And yeah. Chloe's like, "If you want to diffuse the situation, you as Chloe can like throw a spoon." And be like, oh, ha, ha, I'm so clumsy. And then Rachel's like, Chloe, stop it. Yeah. And then shit hits the fan. Um, 73% of people attacked James at dinner. Twenty. Oh, Rachel. Sorry, sorry. So for 73% of people, Rachel attacked James at dinner. 27% of people attacked James at dinner. And I'm assuming that's after Rachel says, oh, blow me. Yeah. And then you can like step up and be like, this is what she's talking about. Yeah, I didn't do that. I took a I took a step back because as you mentioned, Steimer, Rachel like specifically asks you like to like not do anything stupid. She's yeah. like, we just like let's just do this dinner and then we'll be on our merry way. So I, I tried to keep it cool, but the whole interaction was just like I completely forgot 
that he was like a cheating asshole until the dialogue option came up in the conversation I was having with him while he was sitting reading a newspaper. Also, who the fuck drinks sherry by itself? Right? You don't drink <laughs> sherry? That's <laughs> gross. <laughs> sherry? In their fancy little you fancy glasses. The triangle glasses. The triangle oh, glasses. You mean the martini glass? The triangle oh glasses gosh. that weren't shaped like triangles at all. Jeez. So who the fuck are they talking about? Oh, man. And um, this is where everything kind of blows up, glasses. right? Yeah, everything blows up. And then we get the big plot bomb of this episode, which is that the woman that Daddy Amber was smooching dun, dun, dun. is Rafe. That also was in Frank's trailer. That was also in Frank's at trailer. The at, after the play, at the play, is Rachel's biological mother. So what the dad says, which I thought was kind of a hint, or maybe not, is Rachel's like, I saw you, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, honey, whatever you saw, you just have to trust me. It's not what you think it is. So did you guys see the file on the fire, on the cabinet or was the fireplace yeah. or something? So she is underneath, she, it goes Damon, Frank, and she is under Frank. I forgot her name already. Sarah. Sarah. And so at first I'm like, oh, he's a crooked whatever DA, right? Is that what he is? Yeah, a DA. A DA. And Just he met her through all the shenanigans and now he's trying to get a piece. Or I'm like, is he going undercover? But he how could don't he go undercover? He couldn't, he couldn't go undercover. You're, you're right. I forgot. Never mind. That blows all of that out the window. I just now realized that. I just like I definitely didn't see I didn't see those files. I didn't see it coming that she was Rachel's biological mother. Here's the thing that I'm still mad about. I don't care if it's Rachel's biological mother. You don't, you don't be smooching another woman when you're right. married. Right. That's what that's the point. Yeah. It's like it's OK. It's her, your mom. And I'm like, wait a minute. But you're married to her. So like. I don't care. Like that, you don't get a free pass just because you had a kid with someone, nope. right? And this is why they ended on what they did. Is because now we're like, this makes absolutely no sense. Now we talk about it. Are you looking up stuff on fandom? Um, no, I'm making sure I have all my notes together for my crazy theory. Oh, okay. perfect. I all right, well, we definitely need to wrap this episode up before we hit the three-hour mark. I'm sorry, you guys. Um, so you Alexa, missed me. I'm back. It's a we special, did miss you. It's a special day. Um, um, let's go into phrase, uh, phrase, crazy fan territory. <laughs> so I do, I do want to point out there are a lot of little clues in a lot of uh, places that you might not look in this game, but I wanted to point out the name of Rachel and her mother. Okay, they both have Hebrew names. Okay. Sarah means princess or like ruler and Rachel means you, which is a female, like a young, like female sheep, okay, like yeah. a, like a, like a follower, not like an ew, gross, like an ew. And yeah. I sort of, and, and Rachel, the way that Rachel's mother carries herself and the way that all these characters are sort of like treating her with these kid gloves and that the way that Chloe and some people around her treat her with, with kid gloves, I have this theory with Rachel's mother and Rachel will follow in her mother's footsteps. So Rachel is destined to sort of go down the same weird path as her mother. Anyway. So my theory, if you read, if you read, if you listened to our first spoiler cast, I had this big crazy theory involving the use of the tempest. Mm -hmm. Um, I, a lot of it still holds like I've changed it a little bit, but a lot of it still really, a lot of it still holds. But now that we've seen the tempest play out, we can pile on top of it. So as you guys know, the the Tempest, the way I saw it is Rachel is playing Prospero and Prospero is a mover and shaker and he makes all of the things happen around him. He is the pot stirrer. He is orchestrating, orchestrating all of the action. Um, and I said that that is a symbol of Rachel. Rachel is in the center of the action and she is the person stirring up all these events. She stirs up, you know, she 
brings Chloe into her fold. She maybe has these powers that create the storm and maybe it's her powers that pass on to Max. I'm changing Mm. that theory. Okay. Based on the second episode. So Chloe is having these, Chloe has been having these weird prophetic dreams for, uh, she has them, she had a bunch in the first episode and she had one in this episode where she's sitting next to her father and they're roasting marshmallows over the wreck of his car where he Mm -hmm. died. Mm -hmm. And as she sits there, he starts talking to her about, about fire. Mm. And he says to her, you're so drawn to it. You don't even see the danger. Fire blinds us just like darkness, but darkness blinds us with absence, with loss. You can see that darkness as sort of Chloe's depression in the wake of her father's death and her mother moving on. And Chloe asks him, what does fire blind us with? And William says, her father, beauty. But sometimes there's a great beauty yet to come. Fire is jealous, Chloe. It wants all the beauty for itself. That's why you need to be careful. And she says, careful of what? And he says, of getting burned. If you remember, in her last dream, in the first episode, Rachel walks up to the car, puts her hands on the glass, and immediately bursts into flame. So Rachel is the fire. Yeah, that's right. Rachel, yeah, he is warning makes, her. Yeah, William, William is warning her. About Rachel. About Rachel. What about the raven in there? I'm getting to the raven. Okay. <laughs> I'm like, Alexa, tell me everything. So, so, in a way, like, if you go and you read her diaries to Max in the pod screen, it's very clear that Chloe used to see her mother to an extent and max especially as her safe haven so she is looking for a safe haven so she is drawn to rachel because she wants her to be she wants to be safe and she finds that kind of safety and self-validation in other people but rachel is not as safe she's plagued by feelings of betrayal and she wants to run away and find a new life and she's sort of dragging chloe with her and chloe is entranced by her charm and her convictions so that fire metaphor and then the fire metaphor is also a symbol in the tempest. So the tempest, the lore of life is strange. Rachel, fire. Rachel is a dangerous being. And what happens in the events of the original Life is Strange and whatever happens in the last episode, it is, I believe, of Rachel's doing. Rachel is the danger in these games. She causes her own demise, are you insinuating? I think she causes a lot more than her own demise. I think she also causes Chloe's eventual demise. Mm. depending on the choice you made at the original life is strange at the end of the original life is strange you have a choice you can run away with chloe and escape the storm in your in her truck and drive away from arcadia bay or you can go back in time to witnessing chloe be shot by nathan and let chloe die and chloe tells you just let me die it'll fix this so the perfect ending in which everything is okay again and the storm is gone is if chloe dies so i'm getting there okay we see Ariel in The Tempest uh, portrayed in, in Blackwell's, Blackwell's uh, performance as a raven. And the raven has been showing up in all of Chloe's dreams with her father. A raven in many cultures is a sign of ill omen, of like something bad is coming, something bad is coming. By putting Chloe in the guise of the raven, I think that's a pretty strong indication that she is not the bad thing that's coming, but she is the herald of the bad thing that's coming. She and the bad thing have sort of arrived in the same space together. Her arriving at that at that concert and crossing paths with Rachel Amber was the beginning of something. And she is the, 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 the bringer of bad tidings. She, depending on how you play her, is like weird to her soon-to-be stepfather and her mother. She steps in 
she can defend or continue to bully Nathan. She's sort of manipulate her backtalk. Her power is convincing people to do something or to not do something to get her way or to not get her way. So she, so she's the bringer of all of that energy. And the only constant between Rachel and Max is Chloe and Chloe being the bringer of ill tidings and basically the harbinger of destruction. She's not the destruction, but she is the harbinger of destruction. I do not think that Rachel has those powers on her own. I think Chloe is some sort of being that delivers the powers to someone else. She's like a carrier host. She's a carrier host because she's in the center of the action. And if you play the original Life is Strange and you let Chloe die, you go back in time, you let her die, the storm goes away. I mean, Rachel's still dead. The storm goes away, nothing happens, and you attend Chloe's funeral. And for the first time in the entire game, the sky is just awash with light. It's like this beautiful sunset. There's a butterfly flying by. Like there's the most color in the scene in Chloe's funeral than there is in any other scene in the original Life is Strange. So by Chloe dying, all of this weird power passing and all of this kookiness is gone. Fuck. So I think she is in the center of all of this. And that kind of explains why before the storm was centered around her. There's also because Chloe obviously will survive the events of before the storm. And she has had a lot of, she has had her hands in the destinies of a couple of other people. One person, noticeably Nathan Prescott. And if you are paying attention, I actually saw a really well put together video about this on YouTube. And I hadn't thought about this before I saw this, but if you look at the way that Nathan carries himself, he's always like he covers, he's always wearing long jackets. He's completely covered. He holds himself inward. He has bad relationships with other men. He is, he's only really comfortable around women. If you talk to Dana in the Vortex Club at the end of the first game and you're like, stay away from Nathan, she's like, Nathan needs help. And if and before the storm, second episode, you witness his father talking to him saying, you will not embarrass me. You will not embarrass me. I think Nathan was sexually abused by his father. And mm. Chloe... I think in the third episode, Chloe has some sort of interaction with him and something because he is in the Tempest. He's playing Caliban, which is the spirit subdued by Prospero. So he is living in the shadow in the shadow of Rachel. Rachel is what Nathan wants to be. He wants to be free and he wants to be strong. And he can't be because of all these things that have happened to him. And he's this uh, you have options in the Tempest. Um, or in the second episode, when you see him talking to his father, you can intervene and like call his father out or you can sort of dog pile on Nathan a little bit more. And there are two different options. Nathan can come on stage, forget his lines and cry and start crying and just forget everything. Um, or he'll come out strong and acting really, really strong. And I think this, I think what will happen in episode three is there will be some sort of interaction, some major pivotal scene with involving Chloe and Rachel and Nathan or just Chloe and Nathan that will set him down the path of the person that he becomes in the original life is strange. And if, and if their interaction plays a giant role in this, and then Chloe dies at the beginning of the original life is strange. She's, she moves on and then life moves on without her. That's sort of like, like none of that stuff, maybe none of that stuff in the dark room would have happened. It's all a ripple effect. Maybe Nathan sort of by killing Chloe is like, Oh shit, I fucked up. I killed someone. I can't do this whacked out shit anymore. 
And maybe that causes him to like turn over a new leaf or something. So I think the third episode is going to be Chloe, the giver of power, passing on the storm power to Rachel and then also setting Nathan down the path that he will go down in the original game. But I think it's Chloe giving out this power. I don't think it's Rachel. And then it passes on to Chloe and then it passes on to Max. I think it has something to do with Chloe because she's the only constant and she's the Raven. She is the harbinger of doom. Damn, girl. Right? (laughs) That was amazing. I, I think I, I said this exact same thing after your last like analogy. But that was, I did. But Alexa, I'm curious. Like the teacher needs to come into play next episode, don't you think? I think so. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I think we will see Mr. Jefferson um, because he's so important to Nathan's role in the story. If you listen Ultimate to Mr. Jefferson's, creature. yeah, in his dialogue in the original game, if he when he's talking to Max when Max is tied up in the dark room, he says that he became a sort of father figure to Nathan. So maybe Jefferson became that father, that actual fatherly figure that his father number was. Or maybe like Jefferson starts sexually abusing him too. Um, I really think that uh, I, I I really think that she's in the center of all this like bad bad shit. And I have to applaud Deck Nine. Yeah for digging into things and presenting things that are in like uncomfortable situations and like people struggling in a way that's actually really, really thoughtful and isn't used for like shock value or like emotional gut punches. It's just like, here's our story and here are things that people struggle with and here are things that happen. Um, So thank you, Deck Nine. I think you're doing a really great job, but I think it's Chloe. And I think maybe in episode three, Chloe might realize at some point that that this might be her fault that she might be in the center of something. I think we have to get Zach Garrett. Do you there. think, yeah. I think I got to call, I think I got to call him up and be like, Zach, can you please come? <laughs> Wasn't you the one who loved the analogy? Yeah. Yeah. That was Chris. Oh, well, that was Chris. He was the game director. So I had the opportunity to work with both Zach and Chris throughout the summer, hosting various panels with them. But, um, Zach Garris, the lead writer, uh, of the writing staff at deck nine and Chris, um, uh, Priest, I can't remember his last name. I'm sorry, Chris. Uh, is a, a co-game director. Steimer, you were about to say. I was going to say this actually could tie into how, one of the things I actually disliked about Chloe in Life is Strange is how much she pushed Max to use these powers. But if like what you're saying is true, Alexa, and she knows that she's kind of like she is the reason for some of this stuff happening, it would make more sense that she'd be like, wait, hold on, like Let's see what what's going on yeah. here. Like, keep going. And also, Floyd. that was his name. Chris when Floyd, when Max reveals her powers to Chloe, Chloe accepts them pretty Real readily, fast. pretty quickly. So I think Chloe has some idea that maybe it might be her. Um, and that's also like in parallel to like she is the she is the the point of contention in her family or her newly expanding family. Um, and them just trying to make a better life for her. Uh, she is the point of contention among her friend groups because she's bouncing between this like drug dealer and this this person. Like she could be a good person, she could be a bad person, but it's her. Dang. So that's so that's what I think this is. I actually am really excited. I get to sit down with the developers at some point early next month, mm-hmm. and I really hope they listen to this before I do it because I want to know what you think. Um, I really, I spent a lot of time on this. <laughs> it was amazing. <laughs> I spent a lot of time thinking about it, but it's, 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 it's kooky and it's sad to play this, this episode, knowing what, knowing that Rachel like will die. Like she'll never see anything. It's, it's really 
like getting to know Rachel has been like bittersweet doesn't even feel like it does it justice uh, of, of a word and kind of really learning like who she is and, and seeing how we're just starting to peel back the layers of who she is as a character um, and seeing how much Chloe is really just falling head over heels for her. I mean, if you've chosen to play it as a romantic relationship, which I have to imagine the vast majority of people have, um, it's it's really tragic and it's really fucking kind of a gut punch knowing like not only does she does she just die, but she dies a really fucking tragic, like horrible death. Yeah. You know, and that just makes it even harder to know like how are we gonna transition now from episode three into what happens in episode Ooh, one. Unless you know unless they retcon the entire thing. And they do something where there's a choice in the third episode where you can save her. And then the timeline gets shifted all over again. You think that they could do that, That would be weird. Well, then it turns into, like, multiple universe theory, which Which I don't think... Which wouldn't be the weirdest thing that life is strange. No, it's true. It wouldn't be the weirdest thing, but I don't know if the developers want to get into it. But yeah, it's tragic, because you go to the junkyard so many times. And And you walk over the spot where she's buried. Right, and and to know that, like, that's where you're going to... It's just... I was more sad when they're like... We're going to run away together. And there was definitely a part of me who's like, if I can just do the dinner correctly, if I can just do this, same like here, maybe yeah. we can get the car and go and everything will be fine. She won't end up dead in a fucking junkyard. Well, no, nope. but no alternate universes. Yeah. Yeah. And that concludes our three hour podcast. That did oh, not disappoint yeah. Alexa Ray. Thank you. Welcome back, Alexa <laughs> Ray. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for hanging with us. We know it's been a long one, but we hope that you had a great time sticking with us. Um, please don't forget to check out um, all of the content that we have going on. We have our horror Let's Play on our Facebook page. We've got cool content on youtube.com slash what's good games um we are doing fun stuff on social media miss Brittany brombacher always posting posting stuff and of course um we have lots more content coming for you for the rest of the year um and we hope that you guys choose to be part of it and don't forget if you guys are looking to rep some what's good games in your wardrobe there's it We've got a merch store. Um, We are partnered with Teespring. You guys can check out all the information on what kind of apparel and stuff you can buy on on our website, whatsgoodgames.com. And then there's a merch store button. Um, So thank you so much for hanging with us this week. Let us know your thoughts on the Life is Strange spoiler cast and everything else we chatted about. Um, Reach out to us. You can always hit us up at contact at whatsgoodgames.com. That's going to be it. For this week, we hope you guys play some games and have a lovely weekend. We will see you soon. Bye, everybody. Bye.